I grew up on this story from my parents when they went and saw Wrath of Khan in the theater during Spock's funeral scene when it was all quiet. My dad ripped a giant fart. And then when my mom was the most emotional moment in Star Trek, they said he's just dead quiet. Dad rips this giant fart and then goes, Tammy. And, and my mom said she was in the bathroom after the showing and she overheard two other ladies in another stall going, did you hear that guy fart? Yeah. <laughs> that means he was successful in his mission. <laughs> That's legendary. People are still talking about that to this day. <laughs> Episode 393. There's already like 7 million podcasts. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers, pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hey, this is Hall of Famer Dominique Wilkins, and you listen to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're the Leftovers. Yeah, man. Oh, shit. It feels like, dude, I get... Okay, reminder, uh, not coming back next week. So, like, Sunday when you're sitting around waiting for a new episode to pop up next week, ain't gonna happen. You can sit all their fucking day, and it's not gonna happen. All right? So just, like, right now, this is your warning. Yeah, two weeks in a row of warnings, so don't don't come bitching to us. Don't come bitching to me. <laughs> oh, you had to be a big shot, did John? A little bit of Billy Joel there, Jake. Yeah, I, li- I liked it. Man. Yeah, well, uh, how'd you channel your inner Billy Joel, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> so you had to be a big shot, did John? You had to do it to the crowd. I can't. I, I'm messing up the lyrics. Yeah, I, don't I think the only words I know of Big Shot are Big Shot, so you've already beat me up at it. <laughs> oh, your friends were so knocked out. You had to be up the, the big deal last night, didn't you? You had to fuck around. All last night I had to fucking watch you make an ass of yourself. Is basically what that song is saying, Jake. <laughs> she fucking, she just fucking, she made an ass out of herself. And he's like, look at yeah, you, you, look at you, you fucking big shot. <laughs> I feel bad for whoever he's talking about to be immortalized in a song like that. I don't, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him having to put up with that shit with her that fucking night. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a mean punishment, though, to, to write the old song. Well, well, shit, she probably deserved it, man. Immortalized in a song because you acted like a jackass all night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on, Jake. <laughs> that reminds me of like how Dave Coulier is what the Atlanta Sports set song is about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did she go down on you in a theater? And she's and she says and she says it the correct way. Oh no, no, it's theater. That's the way you're supposed to say. I ain't saying theater. Did she go down on you in 
Ah, theater. <laughs> I couldn't be more happy I brought this up. Does she speak eloquently? And will she have your baby? Does she enunciate like me? I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. We're not alone, Jake. We got guests here. We got we <laughs> we got Joe Stark from Starkcast. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here, guys. Would you go down on me in <laughs> a theater? <laughs> Buy me a very nice meal. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got uh, Handy Greg. Welcome back, Handy Greg. Thanks for having me. I just want to let the listeners know what I told you before we recorded. I've been drinking heavily for several hours now. <laughs> this is like this is like Not, the this is like a little, little, little yeah. public service announcement or, or like a little little warning before the episode. <laughs> It's not what I planned, but I'm going to give it all I got. And your internet's your internet's already taken care of you, Greg. We don't we don't have to we don't have to worry about you this episode. Your internet's taken care of it. Am I already cutting out? Oh yeah, oh yeah, big time. It's like it's like when we get Greg, it's not like we just get like Greg. We also get Greg and his shitty internet. Two guests for the price of one. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I just I'll offer apologies for my internet just up front too. Who do you? Th what movie do you think Alanis and Dave Coulier were seeing when she went down on him in the theater? Was it? Uh, is there a particular film? Uh, what year? What, what, what year do you think it was? I mean, it would have been probably ninety three, ninety four. I would think. Mm -hmm. The Lion King is that that era? Wayne's World too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Hold on. Pause. All right, we're back. Greg, welcome. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. <laughs> if Greg sounds different, it's because he's on a fucking phone. We call this fucking phone. <laughs> I just appreciate the effort to get me on the show, Brian. It's really appreciated. <laughs> And uh, not only do we have uh, Greg and Joe, but also joining us from the Apple to Oranges podcast, we have Jess Candelori. Welcome, Jess. Hey, thanks for having me. Keep going. I got to grab a beer. Come on. <laughs> Give me some stalling time. For... <laughs> this is awesome. So thanks, guys. It's really cool to Every, talk to all of you. Everybody with the quick thank yous. I, don't even, I can't even grab for a beer, Jake. <laughs> Did you get your beer? Yeah, I had to fucking, yeah, I had to do all the work though to do it. <laughs> Nobody else fucking helped. All right. Yeah. Welcome to the show, everybody. What are we doing here? Oh, we got a, uh, Jake, we've got, uh, winners, um, for, uh, the, uh, Quiet Place Part 2. Oh, I'm excited. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be so quiet. <laughs> Well, I don't. I don't get the joke. Was that a joke? That wasn't funny. I'm sorry. Oh, God, this is, this is a fucking nightmare this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all my good material was during the break. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's see. Who's a, who's a first winner for? Uh, I think these are physical copies. Yeah, quiet place too. First winner is going to be Nathan McConnell. Nathan McConnell, you're the first winner of uh, A Quiet Place Part 2. Uh, number two, we have here. 
Ryan Bradshaw wins a copy of A Quiet Place Part 2. And number three, Kofi Mann. Kofi Mann wins a, a copy of A Quiet Place Part 3. And number four, who have we got here? David Yusuga. Well, Yusuga won, sir. <laughs> that didn't that didn't work. That didn't work. I know. I know. Let's see here. And final winner. Ryan Scrikey. Ryan Scrikey. Scrikey. <laughs> That sounds, it sounds like, uh, something Australian would yell, like when they're, you know, like when they're caught off guard. Oh, scrolly <laughs> got, got a rash on me balls. And that's, that's. So, what are we doing here? Yeah. So, oh, we also got it. So those are our winners. Congratulations. Thanks for entering the contest. Uh, I'll get your addresses from you. And I'll follow up with your addresses, and uh, we'll get those copies sent out to you. And uh, we also have a new contest. We'll go over these winners in two weeks when we return. Now streaming on Redbox, Richard Dreyfus and Myra Sorvino star in the action-packed thriller crime story. An ex-mob boss takes on a deadly path of revenge when he and his family are targeted in a home invasion robbery. Stream Crime Story instantly on Redbox On Demand today. It's rated R from Paramount Pictures. Uh, stars Academy Award winner Richard Dreyfuss. Uh, also stars Academy Award winner Myra Sorvino. And this is an action-packed revenge story filled with twists and turns, Jake. Twists and turns in this bad boy. Oh, shit. You're going to get dizzy watching this thing. You, I don't think it's going to disorient you, Jake. <laughs> it's not that good of a movie then, I guess, man. I, oh, really you really want to be tripping around your fucking house and shit? Like, that's dangerous. <laughs> like, like, oh fuck, dude! They were watching Crime Story, and John hit his head on the fucking coffee table and died. <laughs> it was a great fucking movie, though. Thank God for all the twists and turns. <laughs> those those who survived gave it five stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus, your your basis for what makes a good movie, Jake, it just, it just boggles the mind. I know. I like to take it to the next level there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's not do that anymore. No, I'm kidding. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So check out Crime Story. You can stream it now. Or if you want to try to win a digital copy of Crime Story, you can send me an email, uh, to comments at popcultureleftovers.com. Title it Crime Story. I'm going to send out a uh, Facebook post and a Tweet on Twitter. All you have to do is retweet or share the post. Take a screenshot and then send me a picture of your screenshot proving that proving your worth in this world. Yeah. Just do that. Prove you exist. Prove. Yes. I know. You said take it to the, I took it to the next level that literally doing this would prove their worth in this world and I got nothing from anyone. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Jake's, Jake's like, man, he took my cue of taking it to the next level. He's Brian's leveling up is what Jake said in his head. Brian's leveling up. <laughs> I didn't know Redbox had streaming. That's awesome. Getting in on that game, huh? 
Yeah, they've had they've uh, red boxes have been streaming for a while, dude. That's smart. I mean, those physical boxes. I mean, just more and more of those have been getting phased out lately. They the app and uh, the app years ago, like if you would like rent stuff from Redbox uh, or oh, they used to have trivia on there, and if you'd answer these questions every day, you'd get Redbox points, and so you'd be able to rent shit for free. I was doing that all the time, and they stopped doing it for some reason. Kind of stupid because I was I was actually using the Redbox back then. Yeah, but you're getting free movies. So. Not all the time. Not all the time. Every once in a while, I'd go. I'd go, Jake. I was already at the Red Box to get my free movie, and I'd see something else there, so I would pay. Right? It's like you're at the grocery store, but you also go through the checkout line, and they also are trying to sell you on Kit Kats and other bullshit and magazines you don't need. Oh shit! I do. I do need some covers for my toothbrush when I go out of town. There they are. I'm gonna buy that as well. So that's what I loved Redbox at the height of Redbox. It was just so convenient that no matter where you went, you could just drop the movie off. But now it's they're just nowhere. Yeah, they're like in the front of Walgreens or at like Walmart. Yeah, it just used to be everywhere. Like they they were like the subway for a while there, or a Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, those were the days, weren't they? (laughs) (laughs) The Redbox glory days. Sorry, I got a little misty eyed there. Um. Got an email here. This one comes from uh, uh, our, our friend John Counts, Jake. Oh, nice. Yeah, it says, hey, B. Ryan, Jake, and whatever wild and wacky guests may be gracing us with their presence. After you posed the question about the most crazy reality shows people ever saw, I had to bring up The Swan, which aired on Fox in 2004. Do you remember that show, Jake? Oh, I loved the swan. I, I remember the swan. Surgery craziness. Yeah. This show was bonkers. Two plainish looking contestants were given a bunch of plastic surgery by a team of transformation experts. And at the end, basically whoever turned out looking better was crowned the swan. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the show tried to make it sound like there was more to it than that. But yeah, so awful. I know, but my friends and I couldn't turn away. Okay, I'll limit my email to that one topic or I'll write forever. Love you guys and please do PCL forever. Salutations, permutations, and big dick brain energy for everyone. Your loyal listener, John Counts. That is fucking, that's a great fucking email. I remember this one, Jake. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was on Fox. I think it was on Fox Rail. It was on Fox. It was 100% on Fox. <laughs> the advertisements for it were almost just as bombastic as the show. I, you like had to watch at least the pilot. Yeah, guys, I got I, I got to pause. Hey, right, we're back again. I'm at my sister's house this week, and so I'm watching her dogs, and they had to fucking they had to pee. Dogs <laughs> wanted an early break. Worse dog, than me. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> no shit. Jesus Christ. Uh, no, great email there from John. That was fun. Thank you, John. Appreciate the email. Uh, let's see. Oh, I, uh, real quick. I don't know if anybody else was fans, but I, I wanted to say, uh, RIP to Trevor Moore, who was taken from us way too soon. Fucking 41 years old. I cannot believe this. I was a big fan of the, the, the comedy troupe, The Whitest Kids You Know. Watched every fucking episode. I love The Whitest Kids You Know. And then I followed Trevor Moore over to the first season that he was on. He was on Breaking In, which was on Fox. It had Christian Slater in it. I loved that show as well. I loved it so much that I fucking like after his passing this week, I fucking bought the um the complete series, so it was only two seasons. It was Trevor Moore, Brett Harrison, Christian Slater, 
Megan Mullally is in the second season and she's fucking great in that show. But RIP to Trevor Moore. I don't know. It, they said it was an accident, uh, a home accident. So maybe he hit his head on a fucking coffee table like we talked about earlier. That was not. <laughs> he watched Crime Story. <laughs> I tried to make this nice. And then I kind of, it's like, ew, you can't let that joke slip past you, Brian. And then, and then it just turns to shit. But rest in peace, Trevor Moore. I fucking, he was hilarious. Did anybody else watch The Whitest Kids? No, I'm not too familiar with his work, but I remember you bringing that up and showing me a sketch or two, even back at like Jay's porch. Yeah, in the early episodes. Well, I, we play. I even played like the dinosaur rap on the podcast before. Yeah, yeah. So, ah, oh, R.I.P. Trevor Moore, man. Fucking taken from us way too soon. It's super sad. Um, let's see here. Let's. Uh... Oh shit! I I did want to tell everybody, Jake. I fucking today and it came in the mail today dude this has changed my life it's only been one fucking day man i got one What'd of those i got one of those bidet attachment things for the toilet oh shit <sighs> nice <laughs> dude this this changes the game dude this changes the butthole game man i'm not even kidding you here's the thing i'm not even joking man like this thing is fucking incredible like it took me less than 20 minutes probably 20 minutes 20 minutes total to hook up Super simple. I could plug it into the hot water and it's got the cold water. And man, dude, I fucking was like, I'm just going to, I didn't even have to take a shit. I'm just like, I'm going to let this thing douse my asshole right now. We're doing this. So I just fucking, bam, and it's fucking spraying. Dude, I get, like it woke me the fuck up, dude. Who needs a cup of coffee when you got cold water splashing your anus? Dude, this oh, thing was pepper- fucking amazing. Like a peppermint patty for your asshole? <laughs> dude, it's like it's like those smelling salts for your asshole, dude. <laughs> just the Brian, how does the water hook up to it? Do you have to hook it up like directly to the water line, or how, do, how does it work? Uh, from the, it's actually uh, from the toilet underneath your toilet. You, you, I, dude, Handy Greg, I'll fucking send you the video later. Okay, <laughs> this is the dumbest. We're not gonna a link. I mean, I. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can. I've always wanted a bidet. Oh, dude, it, dude, uh, if you're gonna get it, get it. Don't buy the actual toilet seat. You can just buy this attachment thing. It works the exact fucking same, and uh, it's fucking incredible. I it, it, mine, I got mine from Tushy, and uh, I used the code. I used the code, not a PCL code. It's not Manscaped or anything, but I used the PCL. No, I didn't use a PCL code, but I used the code and I saved like fifteen bucks off of it. Came to like a hundred bucks, man. And this thing is amazing. I'm not kidding you. I left and I'm driving along and I could feel my clean asshole. I could feel <laughs> that my asshole was clean. It was amazing. Is Just that like, meaning, like not itchy, right? Is that what clean feels like? It's 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 the confidence. It's the confidence of knowing that you have a clean asshole is what it is. Gotcha. And my mom, I sent her a picture of it, and I'm like, I'm like, well, first I accidentally sent it to spoiler Steve. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Hold on. I bet spoiler, my asshole's clean. Well, I'm rec- I'm recording with him tomorrow, so he sent me like a list of the movies and like a code that I needed to watch one of the movies with, and I thought I was replying to my mom, and I replied to Steve, and I sent him a fucking picture of my my bidet attachment and i put lol and then i put wrong person i installed a bidet attachment and i was sending this to my mom but i guess now you'll also know i have a squeaky clean butthole after i deuce (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh yeah man i sent i sent it to i sent the picture to my mom and she's like i don't know like my parents think it's weird that a bidet is weird and i and i and she said that's what her reply was she was like you're weird and i replied with i replied with if you picked up poop with your hands would you just wipe it with down with fucking like tissue paper and she's like yeah She's like, well, she goes, I've never picked up poop with my hands. (laughs) (laughs) You missed the point, mom. I know. And so I said, I said, let me rephrase. If you inadvertently grazed some poop. (laughs) Yeah. Let's be honest. It's way, way less weird than walking around with a poopy butthole all day. It dude. Which many of us have done. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. It's like you get up in there, you wipe and shit, but as you're going around your day, your ass is moving all day. And that shit just yeah. kind of like, it's, you know what I mean? That shit, sometimes, yeah. yeah. And then you got swamp ass. Dude, this just, this changed the game, bro. This changed the butthole game yeah. for me. Brian, I shared with you, and I, you know, I recently did shit my pants one morning. Just, it was a bad turn of events. This has not happened since uh, long, long ago, but because of a lot of bad things that happened, I did shit my pants. And I would have really liked a bidet that morning. I had to take a shower. Dude, this is a shower for your butthole. It's an exclusive shower for your butthole, dude. And it is amazing. It is fucking amazing. Like, and I'm going to save myself, like, toilet paper and all this shit, man. You know, I can just, like, dab it off with, like, one little, one little slice of toilet paper. As opposed to fucking killing a whole tree. It's amazing. You're like a modern day Lorax. <laughs> it changes the butthole game, dude. Alright, let's jump into shit. I don't even have bumpers pulled up. This this episode is is a wreck, Jake. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> and it, not in a good way either, Jake. Not a good oh, way. No, the bad kind of wild. <laughs> yeah. Let's see here. Let's jump into good pop, bad pop this week. Time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Did you guys even hear that? No, no, I did. I did not. <laughs> All right, I don't know what's going on. This episode just needs to end. Like seriously, it's chaotic. This episode's chaotic evil. <laughs> you know, it's like you get your butthole in order. But everything else is just chaos, Jake. <laughs> the rest of the life just falls to shame. Everything, yeah. Yeah, I finally got my butt household in order. And, like, everything else is just madness. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's time for time for good pop, bad pop. Uh, good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar. If it's your first time listening, God, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just apologies to all. Right off the, the right off the top, I just want to say I'm sorry. <laughs> but here's our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, real quick, let me get this out of the way. 
went to go watch the movie The Stairs in the theater. It was like a one-night event at the theater. And so I drive to the Marcus Theater in Bloomington, Jake, which is like, you know, a good 50 minutes away from my house. And I'm like, this is going to be, this is going to be my evening. I'm going to watch this movie. And I get my ticket. I go sit down and seven o'clock passes. It's seven ten. The movie hasn't started. I'm like, what the fuck? So I get out and I, I ask the guy, like, I'm in this theater and the movie hasn't started. And he brings the lady out and she's like, yeah, uh, we didn't get that movie. <laughs> they sold you the ticket. But they fucking just gave me the ticket for it. It's like, God damn it. So, like, I get the ticket refunded, but, like, they can't refund me on fucking gas. So thanks a fucking shit ton for that, assholes. That sucked. I was a little pissed about that. So didn't get to watch the stairs. Um, but I did finish season one of Physical on Apple TV+. Plus. Jess, if you're, if, if you're doing an Apple review show you should have seen this have you seen physical i've seen it more than once yes yeah yeah and it's uh it's fantastic i love this show holy shit um yeah that 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 was a great note to to leave on like i mean it was fucking crazy yeah yeah let's just say that there is a uh a, a a distant. I don't even know how to. Uh, there is something. A masturbation scene happens at the end long, of the season. Yeah, like like locally long distance masturbation. <laughs> right. Reach out and touch someone, kind of like, but it's long distance. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, we debated on why he was running in the mall in the first place. Why Breen was doing that? Like we had, we couldn't come up with like a good answer. Oh, that's. That's definitely season two shit, but I cannot wait for it. It already got greenlit for a season two, so we're getting season two of physical. And I loved it. I Tupperware the whole season. I thought it was fantastic. Rose Burns, great. Just a great fucking show. Yeah, man. All of, all of the, you know, ancillary char- characters except for Danny, because I fucking hate Danny. Yeah. But like everybody else is like, I mean, I mean, like, but they're, like, the good thing about it is he's, like, such an asshole, you want to, like, find out what the next asshole thing he does is. So, like, it still engages you, like, in that way. Like, it's the same thing with, like, Jerry. It's like, uh, like, what the fuck is he going to do mm-hmm. now? But, man, that's, it's such a fantastic show. And, like, the soundtrack to it is amazing. So, like, yeah. if you don't want to, and also the clothes. Like, I wanted every outfit that Sheila had and every outfit that Bunny had. I was like, can I just have, like, this whole wardrobe, please? Um but, uh, yeah, like the soundtrack was fucking amazing. So if you don't watch it for anything else, like just watch it for the soundtrack or just, uh, get a Spotify account too, you know, you can do that. I guess you could fucking do that too if you yeah. want. No, it's a great show. I, I love it. I Tupperware the fuck out of that first season. Also, um, got one episode left that's going to drop tomorrow. Uh, is anybody watching the white Lotus on HBO max? I need to pick back up on that. I'm the only one. I've been watching it, but not like I haven't caught a hundred percent of every episode. Okay. okay, I haven't been invested okay. enough, but I've been really liking what I've seen of it. Yeah, it's a six episode. It. It's <laughs> thank you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Greg calling us from prison this week. <laughs> um, no, I. 
it's uh I'm through five episodes. We got one episode left. I think it's just six episodes. It's a mini uh mini series and it should conclude with the next episode, but I am absolutely it's a Tupperware so far. I love the White Lotus. So if you're not watching the White Lotus, get on that shit. Jake, uh have you finished F Boy Island? I have not. I've got two episodes left. No, I haven't I've watched everything but the four episodes that dropped Thursday. Okay. Okay. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna get into a spoiler for the seventh episode, but I'll I'll hold I'm back. Not, I'll be okay. You can tell me. Is anybody else watching F Boy Island on HBO Max? No, not I. Alright. Well I I have not seen that either. Okay. <laughs> Jake, I I think it for me it's 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 I almost I almost quit the show after episode seven. Wow. I was getting pretty frustrated. And honestly, I think it has taken a dive in my opinion. And, and maybe I'm in the minority here with the, if you've, I'm, and what I'm saying is for like people that have been loving the show. I'm not talking about people that just instantly hate it from the get go, but F boy Island is the show where you've got the three women who bring on, uh, nice guys and F boys onto this Island. And at first they don't know who's who. And so they're trying to leave with a nice boy. And they're trying to pick a nice boy at the end of the day. And then there's like a hundred thousand dollar prize that's going to be awarded by the, at, by the end of the show. We don't know how it's going to be awarded or like who's going to get it or anything like that. But anyway, one of the guys got voted off in a previous episode, Jake. Remember Casey? Mm-hmm. Well, in episode seven, spoilers for episode seven, Casey just get, fucking leaves Limbro voluntarily leaves Limbro and like hitchhikes his way all the way back to the house. And now he's back in the game. And that's all it took. It's bullshit, dude. I thought that I thought it's, I think it's bullshit, man. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought the second set of three episodes, it does seem like maybe there's some fabrication. Yeah. The drama and totally happening in that show. It's a fun show, but it doesn't feel 100% sincere. It's not. It's not. And, like, you can really see, like, the seams unraveling in, like, episodes 7 and 8. And I've started 9. But, man, I'm finishing it only because I've gone this far. But it has taken a huge dip. And if they come out with F-Boy Island Season 2, I don't even know if I'll watch it at this point. Because it just seems like it's all bullshit, man. It's all bullshit. It's all just... Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's they kind of make the rules up as they go along, and it, it almost becomes a different show than the show you signed up for. Yeah, even at the end of the first six episodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's jump into let's jump into something that we can all talk about because I, I feel like I've just been saying, "Hey, has anybody seen this?" and no one's watched it. So let's let's talk about hopefully something everybody's seen is uh, Val on Amazon Prime. Um. Everybody get a chance to watch Val, the Val Kilmer documentary? Yep. Yes. Yeah, this is – they actually had this in the theater for like a week, and but it was not playing near me. I would have loved to have seen this in the theater. Uh, for most of Val Kilmer's professional life, he was documenting it himself, the documentary Val, which begins streaming on Amazon Prime, calls together the actor's many boxes of tapes to give an intimate view of Kilmer's life from – Top Gun, The Batman Forever, to Tombstone. The movie is narrated by Kilmer, but his words are voiced by his son, Jack. 
Kilmer, uh, 61, has difficulty speaking after throat cancer and numerous trachea surgeries. The result by directors Ting Pu and Leo Scott is an unusually revealing document- a documentary of an often hard-to-understand actor. Reviewing the film, the AP's uh, Mark Kennedy called it a remarkably intimate film and a moving one, too. In an interview by email, Kilmer told me he has no regrets. Quote, I've lived and experienced miracles. And so, yeah, this was, uh, this is a documentary about the life of Val Kilmer. And yeah, he had, uh, he was one of the first people to get, uh, a, a camcorder and he just starts, uh, taping like everything in his life. Um, even like the hanging out on the movie sets and things like that, like the tombstone movie set, um, the island of Dr. Moreau, Top Gun. And, uh, was it just me or did his son Jack really sound like him too? Yeah, very much. He did. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I want to. You know, so, talk- so that I, I couldn't even. I forgot that it wasn't him. At yeah. Point. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was really cool. Um, I'm gonna. I'll give my rating. It's an absolute Tupperware. But I do want to kind of talk about like you know what you guys thought about this. I want to get your ratings and everything. But uh, I'll start with you, Joe. What uh, you, you what did you think about uh the documentary Val? Okay, first off, I loved this thing. It is an absolute Tupperware for me. And I did not expect it to make me as emotional as it did. And dude, I was a wreck watching this whole thing. As soon as I think I looked at my phone and I think it was like maybe four minutes in when the tears started for me. And it was when it showed his son sitting down in front of the mic to to record the narration and I, I don't know if it's just because I'm a dad or what but like that part of it just really hit me just how close what a great relationship he has with both of his kids um, you know and, and, and also going through it it was just I kept getting reminded over and over again oh yeah Val Kilmer was in that movie and it was fucking great and yeah I <laughs> <laughs> like starting to get tears in my eyes just like thinking about it right now um he just he had such an amazing life and the fact that now you know he went through this cancer and he had all these different surgeries and like you know for an actor like there you know there's a lot of tools you know in your, in your quiver that that you can reach and pull out to you know kind of work your craft and to lose your voice you know one of your biggest tools i can't even imagine what that would be like it would it would you know, be akin to having, you know, one of the largest parts of yourself just taken away and it's just no longer there. And then to be a public figure that so many people love that, you know, he has to get approached all the time when he's out in public and then to not even be able to speak like that. And, you know, for a lot of this documentary, it was, I was going back and forth from, you know, being sad to, to you know, just being uh, emotional, just seeing, you know, how great the, the people in his life around him with his kids and stuff still are. And but then it, it took a real turn towards the end of the documentary when he was given these deeper thoughts about how, you know, he's not he doesn't feel, you know, he doesn't feel bad about going out and kind of trading on his name and his past stuff now because he's kind of at a different point in his life and he's accepted it. And it's just a beautiful documentary. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. It really was. Um, Greg, what do you think? Early on in this film, Val Kilmer talks about the fact that, you know, as Joe said, he was one of the first people to sort of buy a camcorder. He brought it around with him everywhere. I mean, 
I think he had a camcorder in 1983, and maybe earlier than that, but we saw some amazing early footage of him, Sean Penn, et cetera. And he, and he talks about the fact that despite filming all of this footage, boxes and boxes of VHS tapes, his story, the story he wants to tell feels incomplete. And it's sort of just this, this whole movie, if there was, if there's one word that you have to use to describe it, it's, it's bittersweet. It's, um, a, a story of a life that has, you know, all of these ups and also some pretty profound tragedies. And what's really interesting is it seems like Val Kilmer, despite losing his voice, is almost at, at peace. It's, it's hard to describe. I wouldn't describe him as being a person who has sympathy for himself. Based on what he's been through, he almost seems to be at peace with the life he's had and the life he has today. And there's something that's really moving about that, particularly as Joseph with all the people around him. I, I was really surprised at how incredibly moved I was by this film. And for me, it's an absolute Tupperware as well. Yeah. I, uh, Oh man, there's so much, there's so much in this movie that every, everyone should watch this. It's an absolute Tupperware, um, from top to bottom. And, I was, uh, I was really, I was really shocked because like there's a lot of stuff in his past that I was not aware of, especially like his childhood. I, you know, I wasn't aware of like, you know, the death of his younger brother, Wesley and his brother, it sounds like was definitely more into like making movies and like was filming movies and trying to make movies with, with Val and, and the other brother and, and, um, their friends and stuff like that. And I honestly feel like if, if Wesley would have lived, he probably would have become a director in Hollywood. I really feel that. I really feel that he would have been the director in the family. And, uh, I thought it was really cool. You know, Wesley was like into art and, and making things too. And Val would, um, inject that into some of his movies. We saw like one of, uh, Wesley's drawings in the movie Real Genius. They pointed it out and I was like, holy shit, I've seen Real Genius so many times, but I didn't know like Val Kilmer like brought a little piece of Wesley with them into that movie. And, um, I loved them talking about how, um, He, when 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 he would go to an airport, every pilot at every airport calls him Iceman. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a huge fan of Top Gun, and I think Iceman is like one of the best kind of like you know uh, rival characters to like the protagonist that you'll ever see in a movie. <laughs> he was just so good in that movie, and he actually didn't even want to do it at first. And um, uh, I thought it was interesting that he would send all these uh, videos to different directors that he wanted to work with like Scorsese and, and Kubrick, all these audition tapes and how he would change his voice uh, in different ways to play different characters and stuff. And um, his dad seemed like a real piece of shit. Um, oh, right. He, he created these, but he, but he loved him so much. I know. Do you remember the shot of him yeah. laying on his dad's chair? Like this is what everything in this movie is bittersweet. His dad was a piece of shit, but they, you could see that there was genuine love and affection between them. And that's what it, it's such a complex and relatable picture that this movie paints. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
but his dad, you know, his dad ripped him off and they get into that in the documentary and it's, it's, it's sad. I loved, uh, fuck man. I, I went back and, uh, I hadn't seen it since it first came out. So it's been close to 30 years, but it just inspired me to go back and watch the movie Heat. Which I had. Oh, that's a great oh, movie. Oh, nice. Well, I, I, Jake, I hadn't seen it since nineteen, probably nineteen ninety five, ninety six, around the time it came out. Uh, I didn't see it in theater, but I did. I did rent it like right after it came out, and um, yeah. So I, I haven't finished. It's a three fucking hour movie. I'm halfway through it, but I forgot how amazing um, that movie was. And, but I did not r- forget how incredible he was in that movie. Like, that's the one thing that has stuck with me over the years. Like when I think about the movie heat, um, I don't think about Pacino and De Niro as much as I think about Kilmer. And that's the God's honest. I always thought Kilmer was so fucking great in that movie. Um, they get into Willow. I mean, this movie, it just goes through everything top to bottom. And I loved what I loved so much is like, you've got a guy here who's gone through so many, um, trials in his life, you know, recently. And, um, and not even just recently, like even with his father went through all these different trials, but he's so grateful. And like the, I love the, the, the fan, uh, meet and greet at when they all watch tombstone at the drive-in theater and how appreciative he is. And I feel like, I feel like the fans are kind of like showing them how much they love him. And I think it, it's keeping him going, but there was that one scene at the meet and greet where he got so burnt out on signing and he got sick and that broke my heart. And I started crying, man, like that broke my yeah. fucking heart. But you can be my wingman anytime, just over and I know. over and over. And, I know. and, you know, I thought of every time I've asked for a, an autograph. I, I don't know if you guys did, too. And it, I, I will never see it the same way after seeing it from Val Kilmer's point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, same here. My first thought was. I'm never going to ask them to write out some cute little sentence along with their signature again. Never. Because never again. I can only never imagine just doing that over. And I mean, after a while, it has to get exhausting just putting your fucking signature down. Yeah. I'm going to have them write. Your butthole is super clean, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, let me ask you this. Looking over Val Kelmer's career, uh, Doc Holliday and Tombstone. Jim Morrison in the doors. Yeah. Never nominated for an Oscar for either one of those films. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Is it because he was difficult, perceived as being difficult to work with? I mean, it just doesn't make sense that he never got a nomination for those two roles. It, he should, it, he should have been best supporting actor for, for Doc Holliday. A hundred percent. Without and, a doubt. Yeah. And he should have gotten a nomination for the doors also because he, I was amazed at all the work he put in behind the scenes to prepare for that. And, like I'm, I'm not a biopic person at all. I generally don't like those movies. I've only seen The Doors once, and that that was enough for me. But his performance in it was incredible, and I love seeing all the stuff of of what he did to prepare for that. Just pouring over all the old clips of Jim Morrison. Um, <laughs> how he said he picked up that pair of leather pants and basically wore them for the entire duration of the shoot. Yeah, yeah. yeah he wore them for like a year. It, he talked about his experiences. Go ahead. No, I felt like that might have cost him his marriage, too. Yeah. It, it, you know, just really just falling into Jim Morrison for a year. He just, that might have been the, the last straw. Sorry, well, Brian, yeah. go ahead. But what's crazy is that he was married to an actor, you know? So it's like, you'd think that she would understand, you know, like that she would understand the business. You would hope. 
that's that's all I'm saying is you would hope she would understand the business. Yeah, I mean, but she may not have like gone, you know, gone to the same lengths that he did, and maybe she's never done a biopic. So, I mean, leather pants plus listening to the doors day in and day out. I mean, like, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I love this movie, too. I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. Um, and I really sympathize with them. But we do only get one side of the story. So, I mean, we really don't know what was happening with them before. It might have just been the straw that broke the camel's back, you know? Yeah, but the way that the movie presents it is the way that I'm going to take it. And they basically, they said at the end of the day, it was basically like him kind of like doing his like method acting and, and, uh, taking this role to the next level and having to deal with this for a full year is like what like led to, you know, and I'm sure they probably had other problems and things like that too. But he just, you know, I mean, she still showed up for like his mother's funeral. She's still, you know, very much. I don't know. It felt like they, I don't know if they, it didn't seem like they had like a, a terrible, you know, end or anything like that. I don't know. It just, it seems like they were still on talking terms. They had children together. I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I, we can't, we can't speculate about their marriage. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> J, uh, Jake, what did you think about this? Yeah, I'm right there with everyone else. I, I absolutely Tupperware it. I, I was just fascinated by all the footage he'd taken over his whole life. Uh, I loved seeing all the different movie scene stuff. I, oh my gosh, the Island of Dr. Monroe stuff was so fast. You said doctor, it's Dr. Monroe, not Monroe. Monroe, Monroe. <laughs> um, but yeah, just them like talking shit about Marlon Brando's extra and them openly criticizing John Frankenheimer's directing and yeah. all that on tape and him demanding the camera be turned off. And I thought it was crazy. Like you were talking about heat and what a great performance Val gives in that. And it's wild knowing that that came from just how much pent up acting he had from walking around in the rubber Batman suit and not being able to do anything. Like he pretty much says he walked off that set and went right into heat. And that, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, oh, I thought that was after Dylan Island of Dr. Moreau. Was it after Dr. I thought it was after Batman for some reason. You're still wanting to say Monroe, aren't you, bro? I am. I am. You are dying to say, well, let's just call it the Island of Dr. Monroe. If that'll I make you, that. yeah, that'll make it easy. <laughs> that'll make it easier on you, Jake, won't it? Yeah, but this was great. I, I, I also broke up with the convention scene from the signing and, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, this was an absolute Tupperware. My only complaint about this movie is mild Top Gun spoilers. Oh, get out of here. It's been 30 <laughs> fucking years. <laughs> that movie's been, out. you know, the the island of Doctor Monroe. Now I'm saying Monroe. <laughs> Jesus Christ! That I saw that like in the Monroe th- from too close to comfort. Yeah, I remember that sitcom. Yeah, I've talked about it many a time on the podcast, and I'm still watching it. <laughs> it's on Pluto TV, Greg. I've been watching it most nights, and that's the God's honest. Anyway, um, I remember seeing that movie in the theater and leaving, and just like. I was just like, oh my God, that was bad. Yeah, what was that? I was like, <laughs> I saw it in the, th- I was in high school and I think it was like a group of us like, like went and, and saw that movie and we all left and we were like, that was really bad. <laughs> and, and it's like, we were kind of just like shocked because it had like Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer and we were just kind of shocked at how bad it was. But um, it, it was crazy how so many bad things in his life kind of converged there too. Like it, I think it was on that set that he found out he was getting a divorce, yeah. and it was like just the whole like he the only reason he signed on was to meet Marlon Brando, and that just turned into right. a big fucking shit fest. 
Oh, I felt really bad for him. How about those films, those scenes that they filmed when it wasn't even Marlon Brando? Yeah. I mean, that was really depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What a what a what a career and it's like it's wild man to see him now and then to go back and like look at him in the old footage it just he just ah oh, it's yeah, so it's hard it wasn't even that old I I was a little bit taken aback by like when they would say the year of the movies and when they started yeah. showing like movies from like the 2010s I was like man this is just ten years ago and he, you know. It's, it's a shame. Yeah, I mean, the last big movie that I saw him in was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, highly recommend this one. It's on uh, Amazon, so check out Val. Uh, Jess, I feel like you didn't get to speak a lot about it. Did you have any other things that you wanted to say? Um. You know what? I just want to point out and just say like that one of my favorite things and I mean it's not, um, but like I just want to say like one of the things that um, really endeared me to it because I actually didn't I had no idea like what happened to him like I just know that he kind of disappeared from films and yeah. you know, sometimes you think when something like that happens that you know there's a scandal and I just didn't want to like read anything about it because I, I love Val Kilmer like Doc Holliday is like one of my favorite characters and um, so like I never looked into it just because I was afraid that I was gonna like find some like you know sexual assault scandal or something. And here he had throat cancer, and I felt really bad about that. I was like, oh shit. Um, but I really love seeing the parts um of like footage from now when he's joking with his son, and you know he's like, oh this is my daughter, and you mm. see him going, you know, his daughter. Like I thought that was just so fantastic because I mean there's a part in the documentary where he says something along the lines of like you know people meet me now and they see me now and they hear me and they think like I feel much worse than I actually feel so it was really nice to like see that and be like okay he is he's doing okay <laughs> like yeah. he's, he's actually doing okay and that made me happy because I, I really do love him as an actor and it is a shame that his voice was taken from him in that way. Yeah. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like what Greg, you said that you kind of talked about it earlier that he feels like he's at peace with it. I think I, I do. I, I agree with you. And I feel like he's filled like his creative void with like doing this painting that he's been doing. And, and I just hope he's happy at the end of the day. And uh, he's got, he's got a good, uh, good support group around him. His kid and his daughter seem like good, like, like, like really good kids. And so, yeah, fantastic. It's on, it's on, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Val and uh, it's an absolute Tupperware. Um this next one I didn't get a chance to watch it. So I'll be interested to find out if any of you did. Uh The Vault on Netflix. Who watched The Vault? I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I did not watch this one. Uh when an engineer learns of a mysterious impenetrable fortress hidden under the Bank of Spain, he joins a crew of master thieves plan to steal the legendary lost treasure while the whole country watches the World Cup with thousands of soccer fans cheering in the streets and security forces closing in. The crew has just minutes to, to pull off the score of a lifetime and it's a Spanish action thriller film directed by Wami Belguero and it stars Freddie Highmore uh, and uh, that's probably the biggest name. Oh, Famke Jansen's in this one as well it looks like. So yeah, what did you guys think about uh, The Vault? I'll start with you, Joe. 
I wanted to like this movie a lot more than I did. Um, it's it's got some interesting stuff in the story. It's they're they're going after this treasure that had you know sunk in like this uh, sunk off the coast of Spain, and so the movie opens up. They're on the salvage ship and they're diving down, and you know they they get this big this like treasure chest thing that that they've been after for years and years, and then right away customs comes in and scoops up all this gold, you know, treasure that had been at the bottom of the ocean and they impound it all. They go to court and he gets told, no, this is too close to Spain. This is, this is all property of, of, you know, the crown of Spain. And so then he has to come up with this elaborate plan because there's this thing. He doesn't want all the treasure. It's like this, just these specific three coins that he wants. And so he has to come up with this big elaborate plan to, to break into the bank of Spain to get these coins out. And so all that, I mean, you got, you got sunken treasure, you know, you got, uh, this heist movie and stuff. And, and so on paper, I should have liked this movie a lot more. And, and I think what it boiled down to is this movie just felt like it was completely devoid of, of any joy or humor. And, and I think that that's what really didn't work for me. I didn't really like the lead either. Um, I, I don't know. He just didn't work for me totally. I, I don't know the actor's name, and I feel bad about this, but he played Sir Davos in Game of oh, Thrones. Uh, Liam Cunningham. Yes, and, and he was wonderful in this movie. He was maybe my favorite part of the movie. I really liked him a lot, but I loved him in Game of Thrones, too. Um, uh, I, I think I would just give this movie a Tupperware. Uh, it, it does have some interesting scenes, and overall I felt like it was too long. And in You gave it a Tupperware? You gave, no. Yeah, you gave it a Tupperware? Did I, no, I meant to say taste it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I think I would just give it. You know what? Fuck it. I'm so sorry. Yeah, taste it. This is just a, a taste it for me. Um, they they do have it set up at the end that that it, it looks like they're you know paving the way for a sequel. So so we'll see what we get in the future with this. But um, you know, I, I think had they tweaked the writing a little bit more and maybe infused a little bit of joy into this movie, it might have been a little bit more fun. Wouldn't it be funny if as the episode goes on, Jake, like, Joe starts, like, just rating things like the wrong thing, and then, like, actually starts making up ratings? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna give this a lukewarm it. <laughs> yeah, I'd be into that. Yeah. yeah. You should work on that, Joe. Um, <laughs> Greg, what'd you think of the vault? Sounds like you're. Yeah, sounds like you're. Of- sounds like you're calling from a vault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to echo a lot of what Joe said. So I I love Liam Cunningham from Game of Thrones. He was one of my favorite characters on you know on Game of Thrones. Also, you have a little bit of Famke Jansen. You know, obviously the X Men films in this in this movie. So I wanted to like it. The the biggest challenge that I had was with um, the lead character Freddie Highmore. Um, who was played um, uh, played by Freddie Highmore? I just I just found him to be, um, you know, there are smart people who are kind of interesting, and you wonder how they got to be so smart. And there are smart people who are kind of smug pricks, and he felt like a smug prick, and I just had no reason to want to root for him. And anytime any anything happened that came up as sort of a challenge, I was just waiting for fucking Freddie to come along with some stupid engineering fix that. He really just didn't come across as particularly likable. That being said, modestly fun heist movie. I'd give it a taste it if you've got nothing better to do. But um, I would not watch the sequel that was clearly set up at the end of the film. Oh, God. More vault? 
<laughs> How many vaults are there? Jesus. <laughs> Jess, what did you think of the vault? Um, yeah, I've, I'm going to toss this. It sucked. It was terrible. Um, it was not good. Like, uh, Liam Cunningham was the only um, good thing about this movie. Um, everybody's correct in that there is no fun, um, which is, like, uh, it's just so crazy. Like, the, it, there was just no... Like, a heist movie, you've got to be, like, excited. And there was, like, no excitement. There was no... Like, there wasn't even really seemingly a reason for them to do what they were doing. And then they tried to tie it in with the World Cup. Like, it was just... It was like, why are you doing that? Like, it just, it just made no sense, like, whatsoever. Um, like, I don't know if Freddie Highmore just can't act or he was directed terribly, but he was completely flat. Like, totally had no emotion to him. His face was, like, wooden the entire time. Uh, Famke Jensen was only in it for, like, five minutes, so it's, she's not even a draw, like, into the movie. Like, the main female character, she was also dry and wooden, and just, uh, it was just no, there was no, there was, like, nothing redeeming about it. I mean, I, I really don't, don't watch this. It was terrible. It was just not. Good. I got a question. Has, has Famke, has, has she, has, has Famke Jensen, has she laid off the Botox or is it getting worse? No. It's not no, looking great. No. Yes. I didn't want to say anything, but it, it, I was like, is that her? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Same. I was like, <laughs> same. <laughs> I feel like if you like, like if you rubbed her face and rubbed a, <laughs> hold on, let me finish. If you rubbed her face and rubbed a balloon, they would make the same sound. <laughs> totally, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Build up that big static electricity charge. <laughs> it's like a carnival game. <laughs> uh, Jake, it sounds I I can already I, I know Jake's going to toss this. I already know. No, I'm not. I, I think I like this more than anybody on here. I'm going to give this a high taste. It. I um, I was going to low taste it, but I thought the third act of this was actually very spectacular, and I. I I thought it was really dramatic and really tense, and I really didn't know how this heist was going to go down. I think one of the one of the failings of a lot of heist movies is you kind of already know, like, are they going to do it or are they not going to do it ahead of time? So you're just, like, watching for the mistakes or watching for the perfection. But I, I really had no fucking clue if they were going to be able to pull this off or not. And I, I thought it was pretty white-knuckle intense during the actual heist in the third act. Um I actually liked the use of the World Cup, too. I, I thought it was well explained. I mean, it was their only distraction to be able to have people not pay attention to what was going on. And they had this, like, finite amount of time during when this, you know, World Cup final game was going on to, to pull this heist off. I thought it made for a really natural timer rather than, like, the cliched, like, cutting to someone's stopwatch every, like, five-second thing that happens in a lot of these heist movies. Um, I do agree with everyone that the there wasn't much humor to be found here. But I don't know. Like I said, I wasn't really digging this movie until the third act. And I thought the serious tones of it really made the end a lot more intense for me than, than it would have been had it been lots of yucks the whole way. I found this to be more intense than anything that happens in any of the Oceans movies. Wow. What? <laughs> I, I know where you're coming from by saying that. The, the, the third act of this is a bit of a roller coaster and it is very white knuckle. And the Oceans movies don't really have any of that in it. The cool thing that the Oceans movies, in my opinion, the cool things that the Oceans movies do that this one don't is just the way that they have the story set up so that when it all kind of unfolds at the end and they show you 
how they did it. This movie doesn't have anything like that. And I was kind of expecting something like that to happen. And instead, it's just, you know, everything goes to shit and they just have to think on their feet and come up with a new plan at the end. And, you know, that part of it was fun. But I, other than it being a heist, there is no comparison to any of the Ocean movies. With no, I think the second Ocean movie is one of the worst, like, big budget films I've ever seen. Like, when they, <laughs> when the they use Julia rough. Roberts to pretend to be Julia Roberts, it's it's some of the worst writing in cinematic history. Yeah, Ocean's 12 sucks bad. <laughs> There's no doubt about that, dude. Jake. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought this was fun. Would you give it, would you give it a heist taste it? <laughs> I, will, I will give it a heist taste it. <laughs> oh I was like, am I gonna say it? Are you gonna say it, Brian? I don't know. I feel like we've watched a lot of heist movies lately that haven't necessarily delivered on the heist and, Whatever I thought of the acting and the story leading up to the heist, I, the actual heist itself was really damn good to me. Just give Jake a, just give Jake a good heist, Hollywood. There you go. I don't need I don't need likability. No. <laughs> Jake just want, Jake Jake just wants a, a good heist. Yeah, give me some fucking slabs of fucking clay and have him fucking rob some diamonds and shit. I just want a good heist at the end of the day. My name's Jake. Um, let's see. Well, here. I'd like to see him team up with, um, you know, a, a crew of maybe some really fast drivers for this second movie. You know, maybe they can team up with fast ten your seatbelts. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> Even then, Brian won't watch this movie. No, I don't know. I was shocked that Jake gave it a high taste. That. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. That, that last act. I mean, say what you will about everything before that. That was a lot of fun. Jake likes a solid heist. All right, let's see here. Shiny, <laughs> shiny flakes. The teenage drug lord. You got a chance to watch Shiny Flakes, the teenage drug lord. I did. I did. I did not. Jess, this is where you reveal if you've seen it or not. I have, yes. I said, sorry, I said it. Oh, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, I thought someone may have pulled a heist on your response. (laughs) Jake would appreciate that if they did. Max Schmidt reveals how he built the drug. This is a, yeah, this is a, uh, documentary. And uh, Max Schmidt reveals how he built a drug empire from his childhood bedroom in this story that uh, inspired the series How to Sell Drugs Online Fast. Uh, That's a Netflix series. And so, like, this is – that series was based on this actual story that they put uh, put out here in documentary form. And, uh, yeah, you've got this, uh, young guy who at the age of like 19, 20 started an online business and he was selling like drugs out of his fucking bedroom. And, um, yeah. And he was making millions of dollars and, uh, it's fucking, uh, it's fucking insane. I'll, I will say this. I'll give this a high taste it. I absolutely hate this guy. I fucking hate him with a passion. He is such a fucking pompous, conceited fuck throughout this entire thing. I hated this guy from like the beginning to the end. 
And uh, he just thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. He just thinks like the sun rises and sets on him. And uh, I, I, I applaud the people that are trying to put this guy behind bars because he is <laughs> – I do. I fucking – I applaud them. And I hope this guy gets – I hope if he is fucking selling shit again online and doing this shit – illegally i hope they catch him and they fucking lock him up and throw away the key for a long fucking time this guy's a fucking asshole um and i hate the fact that this fucking documentary kind of glorifies him and um in a way it, it in a way it really does it kind of like makes like what he did look kind of like cool that he got away with it he's a, he's a dipshit kid in my opinion and, um, oh man, he just, he, he really burnt me up. And yeah, I don't think it's cool that you make a fucking documentary about this guy and, uh, try to make what he did look really fucking cool and maybe get other people like wanting to do this kind of shit. And then also fucking having him in the documentary, that way he can fucking use his fame and notoriety to fucking get himself laid or whatever the fuck else that he wants to do. After doing this goddamn documentary, he's a piece of shit. And, uh, but it was a really compelling documentary. And, um, yeah, it's crazy that this fucking kid, like, took this thing that was already going on online, but like turned it into like this huge fucking business. They had really no way of catching him at first. They didn't know how to catch him. And, um, ugh. The one thing he fucking just set his profile pic on this fucking site that he was using to talk to these other drug dealers. His profile pic was Kim Jong-un. And he said he knew nothing about him. He just thought he looked really cool. What the fuck are you talking about, you fucking moron? Oh, my God. This guy fucking drove me up a wall, this Max Schmidt. Whatever. Um, so I give it a high taste, but, uh, yeah, Jess, what'd you think about Shiny Flakes, the teenage drug lord? Um, I'm gonna give it like a solid taste. It just, and a lot of the reasons that you mentioned too. I mean, I also dislike this kid a lot. And, um, I'm surprised like the psychiatrist or the, you know, whatever, like I'm surprised he didn't mention like that he could possibly be a sociopath because I felt like, I mean, I don't know a lot about that, but I felt like he was definitely leaning towards that. I mean, he spent all his time alone. He thought that he was the fucking shit. Like mm -hmm. he thought that he would never get caught. Like there was not even a, a, like a doubt in his mind that he would just do this forever somehow. Like, I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, the information was, I mean, it was crazy. He wanted to know more about the story because it was like, okay, how did he do this? You know? Um, but that's about as far as it went because I mean, like you said, like it's, it's kind of fucked up that they were like, oh, yeah, this is exactly, like, how he did it, and this is, like, what he did, and, like, you could totally do this, like, in your room at your house. Like, it's like, <laughs> hold on a second. Um, because, like, he really did just do, like, I mean, he created a, a, web, a website. It was selling, like, the next day, basically. I mean, it wasn't that fast, but, I mean, that's basically what happened. Um he was just like, oh, yeah, like, I'm just going to go online and find a drug dealer to give me some shit to sell. Like, that was that was about it. Like, um, he was he was also taking pictures of the drugs that he had. He would put them on an Xbox one console that kind of has like that piano gloss 
finish, you know? Yeah, with the on his, on his TV in the background. Yeah. So, like, but, like, and then, like, the whole part where he was talking about, like, the postal service being like his couriers and oh, they did a fantastic job. And I'm like, oh, just somebody want, like, please like slap this kid like in the face. Like when they do the, the recreation of the cops, like busting him, like I was like, yes, please like more of this. Like this is what I want to see. Cause he's so like, he's terrible. Yeah, um, he sucked. But yeah, like I just, I mean, it like it's, it's a, it's a really interesting documentary, but it just, the way that it, paints him didn't really sit right with me either and yeah i don't know like i just that he oh this guy i felt like in order for in order for like them to get this kid on like they had to it was probably he like worked it in that he didn't want to look he he wanted to fucking you know have his side of the story and like not make himself look like an asshole but he comes off like an asshole himself so yeah. Don't worry about that. You do it all yourself. And you're like, dude, like how bad do you feel for that girl? Or maybe not if she knows what's happening. Like if she's in on, oh, she's an know, idiot she's too. Yeah. I'm like, like I just, I'm, you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, his whole story and you're still like going to go out with him. Like, I guess you deserve like whatever. He, you know, he's happens. probably buying her all this shit that she wants and all this other stuff. She probably knows that he's got, he's, he's involved in more criminal activity. He's not, he, he's not the type of person to just be like, Oh, I'm done. Like I quit. No, he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And I can't wait. I hope they bring him down again. Uh, Jake, what'd you think about shiny flakes? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm echoing what you guys said. It was a taste it for me. I, I thought it was a strength of the story that despite how douchey this guy was, and yeah, it's a little bit unsettling how much they glorify the crime. That the story is still so interesting that it's still definitely still a solid taste. It. Um, I thought the um, like the person that was in charge of the investigation was one of the more interesting people they talked to. I like that no matter how much they tried to glorify the crime or this fucking little weasel, that he wasn't having any of it. Yeah, like, he never felt any fucking remorse for this kid. Um, I liked how you know he always talked about how he wasn't as good as he thought he was like he flat out basically called this kid a cocky little punk basically you know <laughs> and it, he, he didn't put up with any of this shit i thought that character was really good um but yeah the when they reenact the police raid and they kind of break the fourth wall and you've got him talking about how this is like helping rehabilitate him for when like the police are yelling it's like fuck you dude <laughs> what the hell like, and you can tell, like, he all but winks at the camera when it comes to whether or not he's doing more crime. So, yeah, this, this is, this is pretty sketchy how they, uh, really, like, give this guy, like, such a hero status in this, uh, in this movie. But it's a, it's, it's a good tale. I, it made me kind of want to check out the series that it inspired. Yeah. I, I knew about the series. I, I think I started watching it, but I didn't finish it. So, um, Greg, you said you watched this? Yeah, I felt similar. And so first I'll just say I had it as a middle of the road, road taste it for a lot of the same reasons. Um, and Jesse, man, I couldn't have said it better. I thought it was a story about sociopaths. And the most interesting moment of this entire film for me, there, there's a point at which the interviewer asks Max, like, hey, did your family know what you were doing? And it's the only time he showed any emotion whatsoever in the entire film. He says, no family. That's it. Those two words. He says, no family. 
And I thought that was probably the most interesting moment in the whole film, but because I didn't necessarily have any connection to his story, it was just really about somebody who started a modestly successful e-commerce business. And let's, I, I just, my, my own sense is, I don't think he could, I think he just had to do enough volume to get noticed by law enforcement, and then they they busted him. I don't I don't think what he did was all that clever. I'm just going to say it. I I, I don't. I, I don't think what he did was impressive. I don't think it was all that clever. I don't think he's all that smart. He just happened oh. to do something that no one had tried doing before, and eventually he got busted. And, and his busted age, again. his yeah. age makes it that much more interesting too. You know? Yeah. I mean, he's 19. I mean, sure. whatever, you know, but. Yeah, so I had it sort of a middle of the road taste. It I I would have been more interested to learn more about what made Max Max than the basics of how to set up e-commerce and it just happened to involve drugs, right? Uh, but yeah. that's that's me. Can, one other thing that I struggled with on this with this film, I I I enjoy films with subtitles and I always watch them in their their own native language. There's a lot of shit happening on screen in this movie other than the audio that needs subs and it was incredibly hard for me to follow text messages and stuff that are being subbed and I, I don't know if it was just me but I felt like my eyes were darting all over the screen to find out what I'm supposed to be reading and it, it was a struggle for me personally Greg um, Greg hit his head on the coffee table by the end of this one <laughs> yeah <laughs> I did too Greg I also watched with subtitles and I had I had the same I had the same thought and also when they were um, when you had the experts like talking they only really gave you the um, the translation for them like once so that was the other thing yeah. that I was like oh like I wish I had that all the time so I could be reminded of who these people are that you're talking to <laughs> yeah I kept like like who the fuck okay like who the fuck are we talking to now I forgot who this guy was right was he the psychiatrist was he the, the yeah 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 <laughs> Greg's right, though. The guy wasn't that smart. I mean, you had that database with all of his clientele, their phone number, their addresses, oh, password just fucking written. He made it so, like, encrypted, but then he just wrote it down and left it in the fucking room. Like, I... I that just goes how to... Himself. That goes to how cocky he was that he thought he was never going to get caught. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. He was a shithead. Uh, let's talk about... Let's jump into uh, What If... Uh, this dropped on uh, Disney Plus. We got our first episode here. What if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? And uh, yeah, so uh, Disney Plus has kicked off the What If series. We've got uh, Jeffrey Wright narrating this series as the Watcher. And uh, yeah, Jeffrey Wright from Westworld. He's going to be the new Commissioner Gordon in uh matt reeves the batman i'm a huge i love jeffrey Wright. i think he's a great voice for the watcher here um i'll start off with this one i'm i'm gonna give this i i'm gonna give this a taste it and it's not because i didn't like i think it's i think it's because of the length of this fucking thing this is like it's basically like retelling like what would happen in the first avenger but if Peggy was the one that was that, that that got the super soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers. And I feel like it's at a real detriment for this to be 33 minutes, right? I mean, not I'm not saying I'm right and you guys might disagree here, but I, that's just my opinion. Like it felt like it was really rushed 
as far as like it just moves very quickly and I didn't get to spend a lot of time with these characters in this what if universe and because <laughs> I, I, I love Captain Carter. I thought that that's great. It's just I just don't think that this story had a lot of time to breathe. And I guess like we can fill in the gaps with like what we know from the other movies and what we know about these characters from the movies. But it just in 33 minutes, they're trying to retell like this whole movie that we saw that was like two hours in 33 minutes and it just like and the and also the humor didn't work for me as well i just don't think it's as funny as the marvel movies itself um good things that i loved i i thought the action was fucking incredible i thought the artwork was incredible and the action was really awesome the, the way i love seeing you know captain carter like pick up that fucking she picked up like a like a like a truck or some shit and threw it at some bad guys i was like holy fuck this is awesome but um I don't know if, if, I hope that the rest of the, I would just hope that the rest of the fucking what if series is maybe let's move away from like a whole episode that's based around like a movie and let's just go into like what if stories that you can like tell like what I feel is like a proper story in the 30 minute time frame. It just, and that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion here. But I thought uh, I thought it was really good other than that. So I'll give it a taste it overall for the first episode. Um, Joe, what did you think about What If? Dude, I had a lot of those same feelings. Um, I'm going to give it a high taste it. Uh, the the only detriment to it was the, the, the same thing you said. The, it felt like it was uh, Captain America, First Avenger, Greatest Hits, and we're just going to switch out a few things in it. Now, that being said, I loved all the, the things they switched out. I, Captain Carter is so cool. Um, I, I really love the animation style in this. I, I feel like the, the animation style has been kind of hit or miss for certain people, but I really liked this, and I felt like it gave the a lot of the scenes a lot more depth with the way they did it. I loved the, the use of light in the animation, how it looked like uh, so many of the scenes, um, you know, there's just like a white glow around the characters that really pop. And I really like that. Uh, go, going forward with the rest of these series, I am worried that it's going to be more of, okay, now it's going to be Iron Man, greatest hits. Let's see how this goes with a little bit of a twist. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, let's see how this ch- gets changed with a little bit of a twist. So I'm a little bit worried about that going forward. Because if they do take these you know, 90-minute and 120-minute movies and try and condense it down into a 30-minute animated series there's a lot of stuff that's going to get lost in the mix. Now, granted, if you are a huge MCU fan, you, you know, you're already going to have all this background and stuff in it, but I feel like that's a double-edged blade in itself in that in this instance, the fact that I am so incredibly familiar with the first Avenger is like, that might've been a little bit of a detriment to me watching this. Cause there was too many instances where I was just comparing it against the other one. But but that being said, I, I liked the different things they changed in it. I thought um, the my favorite scene in the whole uh, episode was the the Hydra Stomper in the air bit where she's going through all the different planes and then eventually just kind of free dives out into there and then catches the Hydra Stomper and they fly off. I thought that whole thing was fucking sick. And I, I loved um, 
you know, all the, the choreography of the way they did that fight and everything. I thought that all that was really great. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm kind of hesitantly excited moving forward. Um, I, I, I tend to, you know, if it's an IP that I already really like a lot, I tend to forgive it a lot. And, and the MCU is definitely in there for me. So I think no matter what, you know, I'm going to be with this series. I'm going to be watching it. But I, I do hope they stray away from the movies a little bit more moving forward. I do, too. I love how, like, you know, she apprehends Arnim Zola and that changes a bunch of shit. I was like, that's really cool. But man, it just, uh, it just, it's, it's like, it, and honestly, if you were to, if they were to condense, you know, Captain America, the first Avenger into a 30 minute movie, it wouldn't be as good. And I feel like that's what happened here, sadly. It's like, if they could have made this movie, if they could have made this episode like an hour and 10 minutes and you're going to say, oh, that's too long. I honestly feel like an hour and 10 minutes would, would have been better served for this story and just in my opinion. But, you know, then we're getting an incredibly long series and I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm having a hard time with this because I really enjoyed Captain Carter, but I, yeah, Joe, I think we are at a detriment because we've seen these fucking movies. I, I do. Um, Jake, what do you think of what if? Yeah, um, this was an absolute Tupperware for me. I, I thought what Captain Captain Carter was showing off was dope as fuck. Um, it was it was really good. I, I loved the animation. Um, the the fight scenes were incredible. I we've seen a lot of cell shaded stuff, but this is definitely the best we've seen it. Like it's leaps and bounds ahead of what was it Star Wars Resistance that kind of used a similar art style to this. Uh, I think you could see a lot of progress in that kind of style. Um, and I, 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 I was not turned off by the length or kind of how they condensed the movie. Mm. I feel like that's, that's kind of what, what if is like, it's what if is not really like an entry point or a gateway for new fans. Like just the premise alone, like relies on you being very schooled and familiar with the source material. I, I think it's kind of the final reward for all the biggest MCU geeks. I mean, that's, one of the reasons I loved the comic, the comic is very much the same way. Like they would go into these big like events, like, you know, Kree Skull War or Infinity Gauntlet. And it would be the greatest hits of those events. Like they would expect you, the reader, to know all the big key moments. And you would just kind of see the what changed the altercations. And you would see like a big span of their life in this alternate reality. So I don't know. That didn't really bother me at all. I thought mm. the length was, was quite perfect for this. And no. I, I cannot wait to see more episodes. Yeah. I also love. I, I didn't think the humor worked either. It was another big thing for me. I, I, it, it just didn't feel like the Marvel humor I'll that we've gotten from the movies. That I never really was like slapping my knees. There was never really any big belly laughs in here. I'll definitely concede to that. But I don't know. I, I still was thoroughly entertained and, um, as the final like icing on the cake, I love seeing the Watcher with like the cosmic background, like that classic Starlin Watcher, like fully realized in an animated TV show. That that was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I guess we're just going to agree to disagree on the length of this because I yeah, I, yeah. I feel like it just it didn't work for me. It just felt like they were like it was like it just it, the episode went very quickly and at the end of the day i just wasn't satisfied with like everything that we saw and um but i loved i you loved know, you know me though i like short and snappy i know it shouldn't come as a surprise to you and <laughs> and i and i and i even when i and said like i don't i'm not expecting that they're going to give us that they should give us an hour and 10 minutes of this especially for a series it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense 
So I think that they did the best with what they could. I think the, I think the worst, but for me, because it's this first episode and Joe, you feel the same way is like, it feels like they condensed an entire movie down to 33 minutes. And I'm just hoping for like more original stories going forward, you know, not just like taking an entire movie and condensing it down to, you know, and I, I, I get your argument with the comic books, you know, it's like they take a whole event, they condense it down. I get it. It's just, I don't know. For some reason, it just didn't, it didn't work for me. Uh, Greg, what'd you think? Yeah. So I, I also loved what if growing up, Jake. So what if for a buck or a buck 25, depending on when you bought it, was one of the best buys as a comic fan you, you, you could have. Because what if was really about really bold storytelling and, my, my favorite issue of what if, what if ever, and I'll tell you, it's, it's my favorite issue. I still don't have this thing bagged and boarded. It's destroyed because I read it so many times. It's what if Wolverine was Lord of the Vampires. Did anyone read that by any chance? It's like early 90s stuff. I read it. So Wolverine, so Jake, Wolverine's Lord of the Vampires, right? Bites everybody. Do you remember by any chance who the last uninfected human is that has to hunt Wolverine down? Do you remember who it is? Wasn't it like Jubilee? It's the Punisher. Oh my God. What a great issue. This is, this is bold storytelling. The Punisher wearing the cloak of levitation, hunting Wolverine down because he's the Lord of the Vampires to bring everybody back. I mean, what if is about really, really bold storytelling? Like what I keep telling myself is this is kind of a pilot and I don't know how I did. I, I was curious, like how much they wanted to lean into this concept. So my hope is as we get additional episodes, they just, take maybe some more risks for all the reasons that you guys mentioned. This really was a retelling of the first Avenger with some modest tweaks to it. A few things that I would add, the design for Captain Carter is a home run. And I, I, I have a feeling that Captain Carter is not going anywhere. I think we're going to have a Captain Carter comic book. I think she's going to have a place in the Marvel universe, very much like spider Gwen. Um, the character design is a home run and she, she just does she 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 does something really interesting new and different with the Captain America brand that I think makes a lot of sense for us to continue to explore. So I think we'll see a lot more of Captain Carter. Uh, one other nitpick I found, you know, there was a lot of talk before this episode about where they could not get the voice talent, um, specifically, um, you know, Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. I thought the guy who voiced Steve Rogers was perfectly fine. And I thought Dom Cooper as Howard Stark was god awful. What the holy hell? Give us, I mean, some of the lines were like, no effort whatsoever. I think some of these cinematic actors who maybe hadn't done animation really weren't used to how to perform. And there, even a couple of Sebastian Stan's lines didn't really sit well. So yeah. again, that's a, that's a minor thing. I, I would say overall taste it, but I'm tasting it in the way that I would taste a pilot. I, I, it's a taste it with a lot of hope for better things in the future. I think we're definitely going to get more of Captain Carter with the way that they set up like the end with, you know, her meeting Hawkeye and Nick Fury. And so I think they're going to bring a whole different kind of Avengers team together. And I've heard that the villain that they might face, uh, is, uh, and this has been leaked through marketing is, have you guys seen the picture of the vision? No. 
No. It's the picture of the vision and he's still got the mind stone, but he has a chest plate on that has the other five stones on it. So oh, wow. yeah, it's a it's a it's a gauntlet. Basically, the vision has turned himself into a gauntlet. And so yeah, that kind of a cool concept. That might be the main villain that they that they face down by the end of like maybe not even in in, in season one because we know we're getting a season two. Jess, what did you think about uh, this first episode of What If? Yeah, so this was an absolute Tupperware for me. Um, I love this top to bottom. I did not care that it was a retelling of the first Avenger at all. I love the length. I thought the length was actually spot on. Um, I mean, I get what you're, what you guys are saying about like condensed, you know, from that movie. It's like a little, but I mean, I was in cartoon mode, so it really didn't bother me. And it's kind of almost what I expected of the show. I mean, like, I'm not going to say that, you know, I don't want them to push more boundaries and kind of give us, you know, some other stories, but I'm not surprised that the first episode they went with was like, okay, let's give everybody, you know, a story that they kind of already know to ease them in here. Um, but I mean, I love the action. I loved that they picked Captain Carter as the very first story to tell, um, you know, just because it's like a complete opposite, you know, thing for, you know, from the first Avenger, we're like used to Chris Evans, Captain America. And just, you know, like as a woman seeing that, like as, okay, this is what we're going to give you as your first episode. Like that made me really happy. Um, and I, I love the animation. Um, my favorite part might've just been the beginning narration with the watcher. Like I got chills, um, you know, when he's, when he delivers that line, like, what if I was just like, Oh, <laughs> this is so amazing. And you look so cool. Like he looked so awesome. Like they could have done it. Like it could have been so terrible. Um, but he just looked so good. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I love this, this whole thing. I mean, I do agree that there are little nitpicks here and there. Um, and I agree with the, the thing about the jokes didn't quite always land. Um, and I actually do agree, um, with Greg, you said about Sebastian Stan, like some of his lines. And I was like, has he never voice acted before? Cause this is like, <laughs> just kind of feels flat on some of this delivery. But, um, yeah, I just, I love this top to bottom. Like I'll, I'll watch this like a whole bunch, a whole bunch of, of different times. Cause it just, it was, it was just fantastic for me. Yeah. I, hmm. I'll be, I'll be watching. I'll be watching. I'll continue to watch, but it, this just, this, uh, I was expecting a little bit more sadly. Um, and, uh, yeah, it feels like it's, it's all over the place. I haven't seen anybody say they absolutely hate it though. So it's either they liked it or they loved it. I'm sure there's people that hate it, but I haven't heard anybody. But um, yeah, I'll be I'll, I'll I'll be continuing to watch these. It's just it's not like must watch TV for me. Like as far as like the live action stuff has been. Like I loved WandaVision and the Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki. This just seems I don't know. I don't know. Well, do, you, do you think it'll like depend on like you know when the episode drops and you see what the title is? Like, don't you think it'll depend like week to week, like whether or not well, you're I'm, like. Wow. To watch this now. I'm definitely going to be watching the Chadwick Boseman one. Yeah. You know, 100%. But yeah. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. So the octopus creature at the end, is that Shumagora? 
you know, for like the big octopusy kind of thing. I don't, the, yeah. I don't think so. It looks, the design looks different. If, if we're going yeah, by comic book design, the design does look different. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But, you know, they could have their own spin on it and it could be, but I, I didn't think that it was. I had heard speculation that Shumagorath might be in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So when I saw those tentacles, I'm like, that, that isn't like a connection. Is it? I, I don't know. It, it, but it, you're right. I, I think Shumagorath's a lot smaller than whatever that thing was. Yeah. Um, apparently, uh, you know, they said that they asked everybody if they wanted to, to voice these characters. They, they couldn't get, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Holland, Zoe Saldana, and Elizabeth Olsen. Um, and they didn't, ret- they didn't return to voice these. But I guess, what was it? It was someone tweeted. Dave Batista, and they said, hey, Dave, why won't you be voicing Drax on What If? And Dave Batista said, let's start with I was never asked. Wow. And this is this is after this is after it was revealed that like 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 like, you know, people at Marvel said that they asked everybody if they could. Well, anyway, executive Brad Winderbaum told Variety, he said, I saw that, too. It's my understanding that everybody was asked in some way, shape or form, either through their agents or directly. I don't re- I don't know really what happened behind the scenes there but certainly we would have loved for him to be in the show so there's probably some miscommunication somewhere. Huh. Mm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to pay I mean, he, the money. <laughs> no, I I think that it I think that it comes down with him be, siding with with James Gunn, and it sounds like he's done after Guardians Three, just because of you know that's that's him done con- contractually. You know, I, I think there's some bad blood between Batista and Disney now. Yeah, I could see it. I there could see some, it. Yeah, there was some stuff about him not being happy about the lack of closure for Drax and the you know the Thanos storyline. I think he's just an outspoken guy. You know, he's the kind of guy you'd want to <laughs> be your best best friend because he'd always have your back but yeah I, my guess is disney kind of just doesn't want to deal with his drama sometimes yeah it's fine i mean you know they're gonna the, the comic books have changed those guardians teams and i i do think that we're gonna see some deaths in the third guardians movie and uh you know james gunn has has hinted at that anyway Anyway, yeah, I, I I think what if is going to be like, I think there might be some weeks where I'm just like, holy shit, I love that episode. And then the next week I'll be like, yeah, that wasn't, that was all right. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's not like it was though for, for me, it's not like it was like for Loki and WandaVision where it was like, oh my God, I can't wait till fucking, you know, Friday or Wednesday or whatever. So we'll see. Um, how many weeks until the watcher interferes? Uh, will the watcher interfere in this first season? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe this is just saving it so it's that much more climactic when he interferes with some big event in the movie. Like if they just never have him do it in the show, then it'll be like awe inspiring when he shows up in the movies. Uh, I think that he will interfere in the show at one point in time. I think they've kind of hinted at that. Like, by not hinting at it, because they've been straight out asked by the media if the watchers are gonna, and 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 they've been very, really kind of like tiptoeing, tap dancing around the questions. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Joe, 
Titans season three premiere. We got they dropped three episodes, dude. Oh, they sure did. Did and I know uh Jake doesn't watch Titans. Greg, you're not watching Titans. Jess, do you watch Titans? I do now. Well, okay, so we're whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Like, did you watch the first two I, seasons? I watched I watched everything there is to watch. Um, yes. <laughs> I you know, I was like I, I you mentioned it in the email, and I was like, okay, well, Titans, that's the same thing as Doom Patrol. I watched all of Doom Patrol. I loved it. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should watch this. Like, maybe it's, like, the same. And I watched the first episode, and I watched, like, next thing I know, like, it's half the season's gone. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so I watched season one, season two, and everything that's up for season three. <laughs> what is that? What is that noise in the background? What's going on there? That was my dog chasing my dog. Oh, okay. Okay. But it's an animal. That's fine. Um, here's the thing. So I loved Titan season one, um, that year for the, uh, for the toppies. I gave it like my, it was my favorite show that year. And then Titan season two, I thought started off great and it kind of like ended a little bit weak. Um, so that brings us to Titan season three and they drop three episodes here. And Jess, I'm so happy that, how would you, no, honestly, I, I, I want, I want to hear your ratings for like the first and second season and then, and then talk about the third season when we get to you. But, um, oh my, like, okay. From the way season two ended and from the way they started the first three episodes in season three, and it feels like this is going to be a very kind of like, um, it's the season of, you know, Jason, Jason Todd as the Red Hood and and this is a very Red Hood season so far. I feel like the first half is going to be the Red Hood and I think then they're going to go kind of like more I've heard rumors that they're going to really get into like, you know, like the Starfire stuff that we saw last season going on. Um but god damn it, I fucking loved these first 3 episodes. Holy fucking shit they're an absolute tupperware and like when we get okay yeah um no okay i just want to hear what joe let's hear what you have to say and then we're going to talk like mild spoilers about the you know these these episodes what did you think about uh titans season three so far yeah dude these first three episodes are a tupperware for me like i i man that season finale on season two i feel like that was the weakest of all the titan episodes we've gotten yet which is kind of rough when it's a season finale and especially being that deathstroke was the main villain yeah in the second season deathstroke's just he's one of my favorite dc characters um he's he's like a evil batman you know he's like super smart he's kind of he's a super soldier and you know he's he he can kind of go toe to toe with with bruce wayne intellectually and so when when I knew that we were getting him as the villain in season two, I had all these high hopes for it. And then I felt like that finale really just shit the bed. And so I was going into season three really hesitantly. And, and dude, from that first episode, and it delivers. Uh, they're doing Red Hood really well. Yeah. Um, if, 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 if you've never watched Titans, it's, it's, it's like hard R. It's, it's hard R action. It's the, 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 the fight choreography in it is really good, really fucking brutal. I yeah. mean, some of the stuff that you see Dick Grayson doing in the first season, it'll fucking shock you. You know, it's it's like the Marvel Netflix series 
uh, level of, you know, kind of like violence and, and darkness and stuff like that. And, and, and what's cool is that with Titans, they kind of bring some humor in, into it as well. And, and there's a really good dynamic with the team, the character development in this show, like, especially with the characters like, uh, Hawk and Dove. It's just outstanding. Yeah. Uh, how much they're able to make you just endear these characters to you. And, and dude, and speaking of Hawk and Dove, like they're featured very heavily in these first three episodes of season three. And it is fucking heart wrenching. It, it's, <laughs> oh it's, my it's God. so good. Um, the, they have the perfect actor playing Jason Todd because when you first get him in it, I mean, cause we get him in season one, right? And then we get more of him in season two, and he's just such a cocky little shit. And so he plays that Jason character, that Jason Todd character, just perfectly to a T. And now with him as Red Hood, dude, he is fully fucking unhinged. You know, he, he's this, you know, he's he was a Robin. He was a very accomplished Robin. He was trained by Batman, and now he's gone full evil. Batman is has up and and left Gotham, and now Red Hood is saying Gotham is mine, and. And he has no qualms, apparently, with tearing apart, you know, the Titans. And that was his former team. And in season two, he was with them the whole time. And, man, they're setting up some really good stuff with this. Uh, they're laying a lot of mysterious shit with Starfire that I can't wait for that to pan out more. Yeah. Uh, I, I really liked a lot more of that history of hers that we got in season two. Yes. And you know, I, I, seeing that she's like on the run from her people in a way. On, on Twitter last year, uh, they were hinting and, uh, like the producers were talking about season three really diving into Starfire and, and all that, uh, and her story in season three. So I'm thinking like, Maybe part of the season's just going to be Red Hood stuff, and then after that, they're going to really get into Starfire stuff. Man, how much you loving crypto in this season? Also, I love crypto. Crypto is fucking <laughs> great, dude. Oh my god, the actor that they've got playing um, uh, uh, Superboy is like so fucking. Doesn't he just look like pulled from the comic? Yeah, yeah, he totally looks like a young Clark Kent. Like, it's to a T. It's so good. It is, oh, God, so good. Jess, so you're watching, you fuck, you, did you just, you just binge these in the last, like, week or so? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I start, you know, when I was like, oh, I'll, I'll check this out. Like, it, you know, it, it could be really good. And, um, you know, the first time we see Robin do his shit, um, Dick Grayson, you know, he, it, it's so fucking brutal. Like he he slams a dude's head on a concrete wall and then slides it across it. Like it's been it. Like it was ridiculous. I was like, what? Like because huh? I don't and I don't know anything about the Titans. Like I know like a little bit about Robin. Like I didn't read like a ton of DC comics. Like I like Batman. I like I like Robin. Not a huge Superman fan. So, like, I mean, I don't even know some of these, like, characters, like, comic book names still, like, because they just haven't looked it up. Um, like, I kept calling uh, Gar, like, Tiger Boy, because I didn't know, like, what his comic book name is. Yeah. Um, so, like, like some of them I know, like, because Starfire, they say it, but, like, there's lots of them that, like, I have no idea, like, what their actual name is. Like, you know, uh, Rachel with the black goo, like, I have no idea what her name is. Like, I don't don't know. Um, But, like, as soon as I saw that and, like, the whole sequence with Robin in the first episode, 
Um, you know, he just goes crazy, you know, on these, on these criminals. He takes a guy, like he smashes the car window, then he takes the guy's face, like plants it in the broken glass and then slides it. And then like, you know, after he's done, like with his mayhem, he's like, don't ever touch your daughter again or, you know, whatever. And he, he jets and he's like, fuck Batman. I'm like, whoa, what? (laughs) Wait a minute. And then from that I was hooked and I just, I, I watched everything um season one is an absolute tupperware yeah. for sure 100 percent. like i i couldn't i couldn't get enough the doom patrol episode like maybe i was really happy that i had watched that whole series before i watched this so i was like really like i was so happy and i was so happy that everybody was the, the same character except for uh the doctor like i was just i was so ecstatic i loved seeing um uh, Brendan Fraser back and it was just like oh it's like oh like all my people um but yeah season two was definitely not as up to par as season one right. was um um I kind of expected that that like ending episode like like I kind of except I like expected them to end it on like a more happy note than they ended the first season but it also because I did it all at once it does kind of blend in together so it's like huh um, but yeah, like, so, I mean, season, season two is still, it's, I mean, it may not be, I mean, like there are Tupperware episodes in there. Um, so it might just be like maybe a few episodes short of a Tupperware and more of like a high taste it, um, for season two, but it's still, I mean, it, it, it was phenomenal. And these three that we got, um, I mean, I would like, how happy was I when I was like, Oh, there's three, <laughs> but I just keep going. Yeah. Um, I was I was so ecstatic, and that first episode, like in the first five minutes, I was like, "What the fuck?" Like it, it brought me right back to that first episode of season one when that happens, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> they really did that in the first like five minutes, and I mean that whole that whole episode, all the stuff with Batman was just like that was insane and crazy, and I was like, "This is what I love the show for." Is like when it kind of does these like deep dive looks at these characters and like flips them around in different ways that you're not really expecting. And you're like, Oh shit, <laughs> like, this is crazy. Um, so yeah, these first three episodes are definitely Tupperwares for me. I mean, I, I did them all like in a second pretty much. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a great way to watch. I, Joe, can you imagine just watching f- fucking two seasons back to back and then just going into the next three episodes? Yeah, I know. I'm I'm so jealous of Jesse that that's how she got yeah. to experience this right off the bat. Yeah, and and not with all these big weights. And I totally agree with her. High tasted overall for season two. Yeah, uh, because yeah. Really, the, it was just the the finale was really the only thing that fell short for me in season two. Otherwise, I re- you know there was lots of Tupperware episodes. Um, you got a few more episodes in season two than in season one. Slightly longer season. Um, it, it introduced a lot more new characters. That's where we get Crypto and Superboy, and. Uh, we get our live action Bruce Wayne, uh, in, in season two also. Yeah. This is, uh, oh my God. Season three coming out swinging. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fucking Joker kills Jason in episode one. Spoilers, guys. Joker kills Jason in episode Could you one. you believe we got that? Jason Todd getting beat to death with a crowbar in an abandoned amusement park. I, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, DC, for giving us this in live action. You see, you see fucking, it's the Joker from behind, so we never see a face, so they haven't cast an actor, but yeah, you see, you hear him laughing and just fucking just beating him with a fucking crowbar. And then, is it like, at the end of that episode, like, 
Batman apparently like loses his shit and comes back to Wayne Manor, meets up with fucking Nightwing and drops a crowbar and basically says, yeah, I took care of that. He fucking, so Batman killed the goddamn Joker. Oh yeah. He broke into Arkham and fucking murdered the, the Joker with I'm out. Bye. Yeah. Like, yeah, and then he peace out. <laughs> oh my god. And then by the time hold on. And then guys, if you haven't watched it, like get on it. But here we go. Episode three, and I'm not gonna spoil too much at all. I Episode three was fucking amazing. Like we go in Jason Todd goes into full like jigsaw from Saw. Like with what he does. An episode, and you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah! Oh my god! Oh my god! I couldn't believe, I could not believe the end of this episode. I was just like, oh, that reminded me of um, like the Dark Knight with that, you know, like the whole um, you know switcheroo. Yeah, pulls. Yeah, with Harvey Dent. Like I was like, oh shit! Like what? God damn it! Like that very like the last like scene where uh. what happens like reveals itself, and you're like, oh shit! Like he really is fucking like Jason Todd's really like he's off the wall now. Like he's he's gone. <laughs> and we we still don't know who brought him back to life yet, do we? No. No. Yeah. They like, goaded it or something, and he threw that dude like off the wall uh, out of the window. <laughs> This is, oh my god, we are off to a great start for season three. I, I say, I, right now I'm hoping that they can just keep this momentum throughout the whole season because I, I, I liked season two quite a bit. I feel like the first half of Titan season two was a Tupperware and I feel like the last half for me, it just kept getting kind of going downhill. And then like the, the finale was just absolutely horrendous. Like with what, with the whole Donna Troy stuff, and I was just kind of like, this is ridiculous. But anyway, season three has started off wonderfully, and uh, my God, uh, love Alan Richson. I think Alan Richson just plays Hawk so well in this series, and uh, I love Minka Kelly. I've loved her since fucking Friday Night Lights. Love seeing her in this series, and uh, Jesus Christ, Titans is back, guys. I can't, like, this is like, like, I don't know. Like, I think like, uh, when I'm comparing this to what if, this is like, this is what, this, I'm glad that this is back. I'm glad that Titans is back. I, this is, this is my must watch TV when it drops on fucking Thursdays now. Like, Thursdays is Titans. Um, I think they're probably just gonna go back to like that one episode model going forward for the next few weeks, but, uh, I'll be, I'm, I'm here for Titan season three. This shit is fucking great, man. Is this on HBO now that DC universe is gone? Yeah, they're all on the first season. First, uh, first two seasons are on there and these episodes are all, they're all on HBO max. You had access to DC universe. I gave you my access. Oh yeah. I watched the first episode of Titans. It, it wasn't really for me. I didn't care for it. Oh, it's fantastic. I had the exact opposite reaction that Jess had to the uh, <laughs> fuck Batman scene. I loved it. Oh, I loved really? it too. I, yeah, I was like, uh, whatever. I loved it. It's so perfect for where for for where it starts in Dick Grayson's story arc. It's so perfect. It is because it's like it's like within like a year or so after him and Bruce had the falling out, and so he's not doing the superhero thing anymore, but he still kind of is. 
And I just love the whole, I love the whole Robin Rock costume, but he doesn't really associate with Robin. And so really it's kind of telling this whole story about how he turns from Nightwing and, or from Robin into Nightwing. But I love this whole like story of like, uh, you need to, enough with the Robins. Stop it. Oh yeah. Enough with the Robins. That was that, you know, when they brought that up in the uh, season three, episode one, where, you know, he's like, He's like on, he's like, he has like the whole pro, all these profiles of these kids. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Like, you just got one killed. Like, what's the matter with you? And he's like, huh? Like, what do you mean? And I, I just, I love seeing that. Like, as much as I like Batman, like, I love seeing that, like, side of him where it's like, he just is not in touch with reality. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know, he's not done with Rob. You, I would think he's not done with Robbins because, dude, they, no. they hinted at Tim Drake this la- in, in the last episode, right? Yeah. And Claire Kelly was one of the yes. ones on there. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah. I, I've got hella theories moving forward. I'll, I'll talk with him. Well, I'll talk with you about him, you know, off air maybe because it, it's, it spoils quite a bit of shit. Greg, why aren't you doing Titans, man? Yeah. I don't know. I had a similar... Well, let me let me phrase it a little differently. I did see the first episode, but I was one of those people that subscribed to DC Universe, and I watched it on that platform, and then everything went bananas with DC Universe, and I think it was just negative feelings about the app. I just didn't... I, I didn't commit to watching the series because I don't think I knew what was happening with DC Universe. Okay. As, as weird as that may sound, I just never committed to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg right now is wearing a Quibi t-shirt. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, go back a couple of years, right? It's on DC Universe, and I know HBO was launching, and I'm a proud HBO subscriber, but... I remember, you know, I remember hearing the first season was good. I watched the first episode, but this is around the time when, you know, like things are weird with the DC. They had canceled Swamp Thing, and so I just don't think I yeah. thought it was sustainable. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. Gotcha. Know? Yeah, Clearly yeah. I made a mistake. I'll have to watch it. Definitely watch it. Definitely watch it. It's fucking fantastic. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we're going to talk about Free Guy when we come back. All right. Don't you wish there was a pop culture review site that appealed to cinephiles, both professional and casual? Well, look no further than CRPWrites.com. New content such as movie and TV reviews, film essays, and more are released every week by writers who crave for movies like every moviegoer craves for popcorn. CRP Writes is dedicated to making sure no one is wasting time or money where they shouldn't be. After all, you have to be able to buy your popcorn and eat it too. CRPWrites.com. Casual reviews with purpose since 2018. All right. Hey, we are back. This is the part of the show where we left for a moment, Jake. Yeah, it was, it was a healthy break. I liked it. <laughs> you're talking about, you're talking about our break, break like it was a bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> You opened the show talking about how clean your asshole was, and now I'm out of line? No, 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 no. No. <laughs> I was literally talking about my asshole, though, Jake. <laughs> I, I, we were just talking about a break, man. No, oh, I got gotcha. you. I see I see where I went over the line. You, yes, that is where that is the, you found the error in your ways. Um, <laughs> this is dumb. 
Guys, went to the theater and I saw Free Guy in the open world video game Free City. Guy is a non-playable character, NPC, working as a bank teller thanks to a program developed by programmers Millie and Keys inserted into Free City by the publisher Antoine. Guy becomes self-aware of his world being a video game and takes steps to make himself the hero, creating a race against time to save the game before the developers can shut it down. Free Guy is directed by Sean Levy from a screenplay by Matt Lieberman and Zach Penn and a story by Lieberman. The film stars Ryan Reynolds, Jodie Comer, Lil Rel Howery, uh, Utkarsh Ambutkar, Joe Kira and Taika Waititi. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, it was, uh, it was wild seeing the, uh, 20th century studios at the beginning of this one and getting all the fanfare. You know, I feel like it's been a long time since I've seen that in the movie theater. Yeah, that was wild. I instantly noticed they omitted the Fox word. Yeah, yeah, totally omitted Fox. But it was kind of wild seeing that. Um, I won't talk about this movie right now. I'll uh, I'll pass it over to uh, Jess. Did you get a chance to see Free Guy? I did. What'd you think about Ryan Reynolds in Free Guy? Um, so I went back and forth on my rating of this a lot. Um, I did have a really awesome time in the theater watching this, but I think um, where I land on it is probably a high taste. I my initial thought was I wanted to give it a Tupperware and then I was like oh wait maybe this is just shiny toy syndrome um and I think like I think the story was really interesting and and at first I definitely had vibes of like a couple different movies I was like okay is this gonna be like Wreck-It Ralph is this gonna be like um I got like Lego vibe uh Lego movie vibe um from this like just like Emmett and everything um I I liked a lot of the jokes um the action was awesome um and I think for a video game movie or a, a, a movie kind of centered on a video game, I think it did a really good job, like actually better than pretty much most um, uh, movies centered on video games. Um, and I thought it was I was not expecting the fact that they go back and forth between the game world and the real world. Um, I don't know if it just if I didn't see any of the trailers or if it had been a long time since I'd seen the trailers or if they didn't have it in the, I don't really remember, but I wasn't expecting it. So when that happened, I was like, Oh, okay. This just got more interesting than it was initially. Um, Cause I had no idea like what the story really was. Cause I think the trailer that I had seen was just like, Oh, you know, a video game character, uh, like an NPC wakes up and that's like about it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like that seems weird, but I don't know how they're going to do a movie about it. Um, but they did. And I, like the humor landed for me, um, a lot. I, I think in the end, the thing that really, um, didn't make it a Tupperware was just that some of the story beats were a little bit predictable. Um, and also I'm not really sure, like, I'm not sure how I feel about Taika's character. Like I like it and also dislike it at the same exact time. <laughs> like I don't, I don't really, I mean, I'm, you're not supposed to like it, but still it just, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but yeah, uh, high taste it is where I land. That makes sense to me. The Taika Waititi. I love Taika Waititi, but I didn't always love him in this movie, if that makes yeah, I, sense. Yeah, I think the, the, um, the character that he chose to portray or they gave him to portray, it was just a little off and a little weird, even for him. Like, yeah. It just, 
like the beats, like he was talking in a cadence a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think like leaning into that was a mistake. Yeah. I, I, I was trying to like, I, I couldn't really like express what I didn't like about his character at times. Like there's half of the time I loved him. And then half of the time we're like, this character is not working for me. Uh, but overall, I loved this movie. I had a blast because I loved this world that they set up. And <laughs> I thought Ryan Reynolds was a lot of fun. I thought Laura Howery was great. I was hoping like there's this whole scene where he wants him to put on the glasses. I was hoping they would go into, <laughs> into John Carpenter's they live mode where they would, where they were kind of going to fight about getting him the glasses. And then I was hoping that they would be kind of like self-aware that it felt like they live. But then again, these characters have never seen that movie. So like, why would that happen? So that didn't happen. And that makes sense now. But, um, I love this movie. I had a lot of fun with this with this movie, I, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I loved it. I don't care. I just, and I think my audience that I saw it with, were having a great time. We were all laughing. I loved the dude character was fucking <laughs> hilarious. Like when they, when they started playing the theme song from the greatest American hero and he's running off and dancing and shit and like grabbing it shit. I lost my shit. I loved it. Um, and I even really enjoyed kind of like this, the way that they sent, they set up all like the romantic stuff in this. I thought that it played off really well with, with Ryan Reynolds character, uh, as blue shirt guy and then Millie. And then I loved, you know, I thought that Joe Keery fit really well into this world. I thought he played kind of like, you know, like the, you know, the programmer, the geeky programmer really well. I lo I really love this. It was really kind of, um, it, it was, it was, it was kind of wild seeing, uh, Alex Trebek make his appearance in this movie. Yeah, that was a little fun. And, um, I loved it. I thought it was really fun and I had a blast and, uh, I loved, I, I just, I really loved the world and like how, like you're watching, like when they first start off, I don't even know if you guys noticed like some of the little things that they did, but like there'd be a car driving along and it would be like a blue car. And then all of a sudden it would turn purple and you know, like whoever is, you know, whoever's controlling that car changed the color of the car mid mid drive, you know, and it's just like, they really, really paid attention to like some of these things that you can do in these games. And of course there's suspension of disbelief when it comes to the, some of this stuff, like this is not how games work. Some, you know, like some of this stuff, like there's suspension of disbelief here, but I just went with it. I really went with it. And I had a, I had a lot of fun with this one. So I'll give it a Tupperware. Joe, what'd you think about free guy? I had a lot of fun with this movie as well. Um, I agree with a lot of the points that have been made also. Um, uh, I'm going to give this a high taste it. Uh, for me, there was a, a handful of like the more like meta jokes didn't land for me and they, they, it felt like they were written clunky enough to where it almost took me out of the movie a little bit. Um, Taika Waititi's portrayal of, you know, the man child guy. Um, the, there was bits of that character that, the bits of the portrayal I didn't like. The, the talking and cadence stuff I thought was a little dumb. Um, Man, but, but I mean, 
overall, like, I love this movie. I, I got home and, and told my kids, I was like, I can't wait for you guys to watch this. And, like, I talked him, tried to talk him into going to the theater with me, and they were both like, nah, we're okay right now. I'm like, all right, that's cool. You guys, you're lost. <laughs> you have to wait for this to come out on digital now. Um, but so much fun. Um, the theater I was in was kind of dead. Uh, there was quite a few people in it, but, man, it, I felt like it was just me and this one other guy were the only person really laughing at it. Um and so that that was that was kind of a bummer. But do you think I'm, the people in used to that? Do you think the people in your theater were judging you and that other guy? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> do you think that they were like, "Oh my god, listen to this guy cackling in the back"? <laughs> I, okay, so like you know all the Endgame reaction videos. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't get to have an experience like that because apparently people in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, are fucking dead inside. Because like. Well, like in in Endgame, like when Cap throws the hammer and picks it up, I'm like the only one in the theater going, "Yeah!" And then like I almost feel bad, like like am I disrupting you guys' movie experience by enjoying this? Someone's gonna tell on you. Yeah, like you guys are. When did you? Was it opening night, Joe, or long after? Did you wait a while? This was opening night. This was opening night. That makes no sense. And I was the only one in my fucking auditorium who yelled, "Yeah!" And so it's like, all right, this is just more of the same. Just. Jake's, Joe, Joe's watching Joe watch Endgames with the Stepford Wives. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't fucking believe it, dude. I my theater when I saw Endgame at the at the end of that movie, like Iron Man dies, you know, like at the end of that movie, there is still a girl wailing in the back of my theater. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I love it, dude. And no, I love it too. Like the like. Like, uh, you know, like when, when he initially dies, like you hear a, a bunch of crying, but like, I'm, I'm talking about fucking the credits are coming down now. And that same girl is still just wailing in the back of the theater. What's the credit hit, man? It, it cemented it. Yeah. It was like, it's over. It's, a, I love you 3000 and the cheeseburgers and she's fucking, she's still back there crying. It was insane, dude. It was insane, man. What the fuck is going on in Cedar Rapids? Yeah, I don't know. My favorite was at the end of Endgame. We all sit there like you do at a Marvel movie. We wait for that end credit scene. And, you know, Endgame, it's just the sound of Tony hammering on steel. And there was some guy near the front that's like, is that it? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That guy rules. (laughs) That guy's a fucking moron. (laughs) <laughs> Fuck that guy, Jake. And then Joe's and then Joe's dad farted. <laughs> we didn't know oh that was off air. We didn't know that was a great talk. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. I'm gonna throw that in at the beginning of the podcast so people know what the fuck is talking we're talking about. <laughs> oh my dad'll be tickled. I'll have to let him I got to air the wrath of Khan story. Congrats. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna buy your dad one of these fucking bidets. <laughs> um Jake, what did you think of Free Guy? Oh shit. Yeah, I, this was the highest of tasted three. I it was a lot of fun and I agree with a lot of stuff that you guys have said. The the world building was fantastic, like the attention to detail inside this video game world was so cool and like jess said this isn't based on any particular video game but you know the track record for most video game movies like that is so bad and i mean this is definitely top tier when it comes to 
video game movies and it's not even based off any particular video game just kind of the the tropes that you know about npcs and what goes on in the behind the scenes on one of these like sandbox grand theft auto type games but yeah it, it was a lot of fun and what's keeping it from a tupperware for me is the taika Waititi performance was a little bit crazy it's like he almost would have made more sense as a video game character than a real character like it was just a little bit over the top so there wasn't like and a lot of the jokes just didn't land for me and and the story was very predictable it didn't detract from how much fun i had in the movie but you were definitely always two steps ahead of what was actually going on and it it would have been nice to have at least like one major like oh shit twist um but yeah, some of the stuff I really loved was I thought this movie had one of the smartest, most hilarious, like, movie kiss moments I've ever seen in a movie. And our, our crowd really reacted hard to that moment. It, it was so awkward and so fun. Um, great use of their, their one F-bomb in this movie as well. I thought they really snuck in a good time to use that. Um, and just lots of really fun Easter eggs. I love seeing the Mega Man arm buster on his arm at one point. Like, it was obviously that. It had the little yellow dots on it and everything. I, I like, marked out for the Mega Man moment. Um, yeah, this, this, was, this was a lot of fun. I, I was very surprised. I actually thought I was going to hate this movie. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't think I was going to love it as much as I did. I have... <laughs> I just got, I, what I, I just got so sucked into this fucking world that I absolutely loved it. And even though it was very predictable, I still just loved being in this free city, this, this game. I loved it. So I don't know if I want this. I don't think I want it to turn into a franchise. It's, I feel like I feel good with a one and done with this, but who knows who knows anymore they might try to fucking suck three movies out of this fucking thing who knows everything's everything's got to be a goddamn trilogy these days i feel like yeah free guy too i'm pretty sure it'll be on the horizon yeah yeah greg you didn't see you didn't go to the theater this week did you no i didn't unfortunately no worries no worries all right guys let's move on to the next thing what is the next thing oh i wanted to talk about a movie that i saw in the theater that Nobody else, I don't think anybody else has seen it. Um, Nine Days, has anybody seen Nine Days? Mm-mm. No. This is, Will is an arbiter who judges souls before they inhabit bodies in the living. I'm going to explain all this. He lives in an isolated house in the middle of a desert scape, interviewing candidate souls for the opportunity to be born. If they are not selected... Will gives them a parting memory before their existence is erased. His only company is Kayo, a soul who did not disappear and has since assisted in Will's interviews. Will spends his days watching and taking notes on a multitude of television screens, each displaying the life of a different individual that Will has previously selected. His favorite is Amanda, a 28-year-old violin prodigy. However, on her way to a large concerto amanda drives too fast on the highway and crashes into an overpass killing her it's a supernatural drama film it's written and directed by ed Sonoda. it stars winston duke we all know him from uh the the black panther movie and he was in us uh zazie beats uh we know her as domino in deadpool 2 and she's also in atlanta benedict wong who plays wong in doctor strange tony hale from arrested development bill skarsgård from the it movies david reisdahl and ariana ortiz 
Uh, Spike Jones serves as an executive producer on this one. Oh, wow. This, I, I, uh, our friends over at crprights.com who, who they, they help promote us. We help promote them. They had like a, an article. One of their writers, I think her name is Carissa, wrote an article about nine days and I had not heard about this movie. So I read the article and I was like, Oh my God, I got to watch this movie. I found a theater that was actually playing it. There's one theater that's playing this movie. So I, I drove to the theater and I watched this. And it starts off, you've got, it's wild. I, I really didn't know what was happening at first. There is, you see Winston Duke and he's watching all these different screens and they're old like 13 inch CRT TVs that he's watching. And you're seeing, everything that you're seeing is from someone's point of view. And each screen is a person that he has selected to be born. So there's this whole process that he goes through where he has like, these, these candidates that he interviews and he picks the person that gets to live life. And then once he chooses them, then he's going to watch them on this screen and he's going to see how their life plays out. So he wants to make the right decision. He wants to, to pick the right person. Um, on the screen, sometime you'll see like a, somebody that he's chosen and maybe they're being bullied at school and with this Amanda character, this violin prodigy, like, you know, she's getting ready to go to this large concerto that she's been working her whole life to get to. And then, you know, like even this guy, Kayo, played by Benedict Wong, sits down. He's like, oh, it's it's a it's Amanda's concerto day. He's like, like getting ready to like watch a show like they're going to sit down on the couch together and watch this girl perform at this concert. And then all of a sudden they're like watching her on, on her way there and then the car just speeds up and won't stop and crashes into a wall. And then you see like that, uh, um, I don't even know what to call it, Jake, like that, that screen where like at the end of the night back in the day when it had all the different colors on it and it would just be like the end of programming. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it had like the five color. Yeah. They, they do the fucking like, Pledge of Allegiance. Yes. Cut to that with they, the noise. Yeah. Well, that basically represented that, that this, her life is over. She's dead. And he it is. makes sense with the CRT TVs that they would use that imagery. That's cool. And so Winston Duke, his character of Will is just like, he's crushed. And so like going into this next interview process, he really wants to make sure that he chooses someone that's going to live. He feel he puts the blame on himself. He is an interviewer because he actually at one time was alive. He had a life. Um, Benedict Wong's character of Kayo, like he never, he was one of these people that was an in an interview process. They, he didn't get chosen, but he was, but they kept him around so he could help assist, you know, the people that, that, that do choose, uh, these, uh, the, the these final candidates. Anyway, this, uh, this, this movie. Did you, did you rate this movie? No, I haven't rated it yet. Oh, I haven't I'm rated excited. it. I'm trying to give you like, like the whole kind of like setup and everything of like, what's wild about this movie, Jake, is like, if someone isn't chosen, like it's a whole, it's a nine day process. So they basically like eight of these people are only going to have eight days to live. 
that's it. Eight days to yeah, live. It's wild. It's like a super dark fucking reality. Yes. About mortality and shit. It is. It's it insane. Is. And it's like, it, but what this, uh, here's the thing. If they, if they aren't chosen, he tries to give that, he tries to recreate a moment for them that they've seen on screen that they want for themselves. And so once he like, basically sits them down and says, I'm not, you're not going to go forward in this process anymore. You're not going to go on to the next step. He then, him and Kayo create a virtual kind of experience. And like, we're dealing with CRT TV. So they, they're not doing like a virtual, like matrix experience. Like they're building stuff like they're carpentry and shit. Like they're making an experience for these people. Like this one guy chooses to like, he, he saw that, he saw a beach scene. He saw like someone on the beach and he's like, he wanted to go onto a beach. So like they create like this, they put up like a, like this, uh, like this, like this sheet. They have a beach scene on this, on this. They, they, they create, they put sand down on the ground and they create like waves to come up and like touch his feet. He puts on these headphones and he can hear the sounds of the ocean. They really try to make it look like he's at the beach. He is doing something that we take for granted as the living. He's never gotten to live. He's never got to experience these things. He's never gotten to, you know, it's wild. This movie makes you appreciate just life and like the little things like fucking like going outside and like, you know, running your hands through blades of grass or like getting on a bicycle and feeling the wind against your face. Like these are things that these people are never going to get to experience that we take for granted. And I Tupperware the fuck out of this movie. I, I thought it was beautiful. And if you ever like feel like inside, like, like, why are we here? And like, what is fucking life? And like, you know, every day is monotonous. And like, all we do is fucking go to work and fucking break our backs for a company that doesn't give a fuck about us just to make this measly fucking paycheck. And we're barely scraping by. But like on the flip side, like it makes you appreciate like those little things in life of just like, like there's this one character that just like wants to hang out and party, but he's never been able to hang out with people and have a good time because he's going through the selection process. And, and it just makes you appreciate like all these little things that we take for granted. It's wild, man. I fucking, I, I got really into this movie. Um, it really makes you think, uh, I Tupperware. Tupperware the fuck out of this movie. It was absolutely incredible. Zazzy Beats is great in it. Winston Duke is fantastic. Benedict Wong is amazing. Tony Hale was fucking incredible in this movie. I love Tony Hale in this movie. He played Buster in Arrested Development. I love Tony Hale. He was great in this movie. But uh, Nine Days is an absolute Tupperware. And uh, if you can't see it in the theater, once this is available to rent or if it drops on Netflix or Amazon, I highly recommend Nine Days. This is a, this is the, the highest of Tupperwares. I, I loved this movie. It really has a really deep message. And it, it's, it fucks with you because it makes you really think about, like, all these things that we take for granted in life, just being able to feel things and, and go outside and experience nature and just talk with other humans. It makes you go back and think about like all those times in your life where you just were either hanging out with good friends and having good conversation and, 
and like the moments that the moments in life that make you feel alive it like not the moments of sitting behind a fucking computer screen and typing shit in and doing data entry or whatever the fuck you do but the moments that fucking make you feel alive man this movie really makes you appreciate that and it's really fucking sad man to see like these people that have never lived and they get kind of like this half-ass experience of like one moment and then they have to disappear into nothingness it is an incredible and powerful movie. I loved Nine Days. I love this movie. So uh, thank you, CRPRights.com, for the suggestion. This was a fantastic film. Yeah, that sounds really good. I'm definitely going to have to check this out when it's VOD. Yeah, that sounds so good. I looked up on my Regal app, and it's playing where I am, so I'm going to see it maybe tomorrow. Go. 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 You will, you will, you will walk out feeling like, oh, my God. I can't like you'll seriously it's there's movies that fucking like make you feel something and this is one of those movies I'm excited now (laughs) sounds like nine days nine days days. yeah 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 I'm writing that down yeah um sounds like Greg doesn't give a shit <laughs> oh no, I do. I was listening to your review. I just, I, you know, it's it's hard for me to get to the theater. So I'm like, all right, I jotted the name of the film down for when it's uh, yeah, able. yeah. Check it, definitely check it out, man. This is a, nine days is fantastic. Did anybody get a chance to go see uh, Jennifer Hudson in uh, Respect? No, I'm jealous that you did though. I did. I didn't get to this one either. All right. Oh, okay, so me and Jess saw this one. Aretha Franklin sings in her father's church choir as a child and grows up to become an international musical superstar and the queen of soul while simultaneously enduring an abusive marriage and becoming actively involved in the civil rights movement. Uh, it's a biopic drama based on the life of American singer Aretha Franklin. It's directed by uh, Liesl Tommy in her feature directorial debut from a screenplay by Tracy Scott Wilson. And it stars Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin, Forrest Whitaker as her father, Marlon Wayans as uh, one of her boyfriends in this. Audra McDonald, Mark Marin is in this. Titus Burgess, uh, Seikon Singblo. Haley Kilgore, Sky Dakota Turner, Tate Donovan, and Mary J. Blige are featured in supporting roles. And, uh, Jess, what did you think about, uh, um, the, I, I honestly, I feel like this is, this has been a long time coming, uh, an Aretha Franklin biopic, but what did you think about, uh, Respect? Holy shit. Um, this movie, I don't even know, man, I don't even know where to like start with this movie. Like, I mean, I'm just going to come out the gate and just say it was an absolute Tupperware for me. Like this movie was fucking amazing. Um, I mean, I could Tupperware it on the, the performances alone, just like the musical performances alone is a Tupperware. Like, you don't even need to watch the rest of the movie. But um, the movie itself is amazing. Um, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. I never knew, like, a lot about Aretha Franklin, honestly. Like, um, you know, I, I learned about her as a small child because my dad's – one of my dad's favorite movies was Blues Brothers – um, and she's in that. So like, just from that performance alone, I was like, yeah, like, man, she's awesome. And like, I knew her hits. Um, I mean, who doesn't know her hits though? Like, even if you don't know her hits, you know, her hits. Um, but like, 
so I knew, you know, I knew that part of it, but I never knew anything about like the civil rights movement because our education system is terrible. Um, but like, I never knew any of that stuff. I didn't know that she was like friends with Martin Luther King Jr. Like that's yeah. crazy. Um, just like all of this stuff. And like the, the, the beginning of the movie, um, when we see her, like her childhood and they kind of give you the idea of what happened to her, but they don't actually like go in, you know, they don't go into detail. Thank goodness that they didn't do that. But like, you know, just the things that she went through, you're like, Oh shit. Um, it just, I mean, like the strength of character that she had and the way that they told this story, um, it was just fucking amazing. Like it was so goddamn good. And like, I mean, I like (laughs) most people who know me know that I am very emotional when it comes to movies. It doesn't matter if they're happy or sad or whatever. Like I, I'm very emotional. Um, and like that, I was like, I should have brought tissues. Like, why didn't I bring tissues to this movie? I don't know because I definitely should have. I should have known better. I didn't, and that was dumb because I'm like wiping like my, you know, I'm wiping my like eyes on my shirt. And it, man, it was it just top to bottom. It was just like it was phenomenal. Yeah, this is this is really good. This is this is this is an absolute Tupperware for me. Uh, movie flew by. Very, a lot of stuff I didn't know about her. I didn't know about her, um, having this kind of, uh, friendship with Martin Luther King and the, you know, her involvement in, in, in the civil rights movement and, and, and how deep that was, uh, with her and, uh, did not know that, uh, she was, uh, molested as a child and, uh, how that, uh, that affected her growing up. That was that was huge. Did they really ever get into why they didn't want her her family? Why they were so against her getting involved with Marlon Wayne's character as Ted White? I don't think so. I, they like hinted at it, and I think I, like from what the movie like kind of let you know, it seemed as though like her like either he was maybe known as like just being like an asshole that was like used people. Like, I don't know if he, maybe he just had like a rep, a bad reputation yeah. of like artists and then like dropping them. Like that's what it felt like. Um, but her dad was also like super controlling. So, like, right. you know, when, when they had that thing, like when they argued about that or he like, he, they argued about that at the picnic or whatever, like it wasn't apparent that he was like a super asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. He, it showed his colors later um but like you know if, and you kind of got the feeling that something was off about him but like it they never explicitly say like why they're not like oh like which is kind of weird right because you think like you know dad would be like oh yeah you shouldn't really mess with him because he likes to sleep with men, women and then leave them or you know whatever he uses people um but doesn't really turn out that way he's just like oh we'll just ignore this <laughs> like It'll go away. Yeah. The, the super, super powerful movie. I thought Jennifer Hudson's great. I, I thought uh, Marlon Wayans was fantastic. Forrest Whitaker was really good. And uh, I was blown away by Mark Maron in this movie as well. <laughs> Who knew that was 
going to happen. Yeah, you know, I loved him in Glow, but I was really surprised by the performances of Marlon Wayans and Mark Maron in this movie. Those are the two guys that, like, really shocked me. Um, I thought Jennifer Hudson was great. I thought her singing was fantastic, but... I mean, there's nobody like Aretha, though. I mean, when I drove home, I had to listen to Aretha. That's what it was on my Spotify as I'm driving home from the theater that night. I wanted to hear the real Aretha. And I'm glad that the movie ended. Stick around. Definitely stick around for the credits because they they, they show, like, a performance. And nobody in my theater got up. Like, it's it it was crazy. I was like, who's going to get up now? Because, like, they're, they're, starting to, they're starting to roll the credits. You can get up and leave now. But they, they've got – they're showing Aretha singing at the end of yeah. this. Literally, yep. nobody in my yeah. theater got up and walked out. It's like she demanded your attention even even after the movie was over. Like, nobody was leaving until this fucking song was over with. Oh, yeah. Like, I had, um, I saw, I actually saw it earlier today, like this afternoon. And, um, there, I mean, it was pretty, like, the, it was pretty crowded there, um, in, in my theater. But, like, at the end of the movie, there were people that clapped. And I don't think that's ever happened outside of, like, a comic book movie for, for, like, whenever I've seen a movie in a theater. So I was, I was kind of really surprised that that, happened and like and then the same person like there was like one guy one dude that clapped like super loud it was just like and you could hear it like coming from that like section and then after the performance which was like um wasn't it like the inauguration of barack obama that's the um what they played at the end of the movie and he clapped after that too he was like yeah and he was like and he audibly was like yeah and i was like okay like awesome <laughs> like, it was great it was fantastic yeah, I I loved it. I learned a lot about her I didn't know, and um, just uh, I watch this one. This is one you don't want to miss. And honestly, if you get a chance to watch this one in the theater, I would do it because it's got the you got some amazing audio in that in the theater. Unless you've got like this incredible like you know surround sound system at home, this is one you're not you're not going to want to miss in the theater because I feel like uh, you know the. The music is great. And I feel like we get, it's almost like a, a good 45 minutes to an hour before we actually get into like her doing her hit songs and shit. Oh, that's cool. I can't wait to see this. I'm so glad you guys both Tupperware did. I, I love Aretha. I love Jennifer Hudson. It sounds so good. And Marlon Wayans, wow. I can't believe you're talking good about him. I mean, he's been kind of considered a joke for the last 10 years. He's great in this movie. He's really, really good. Um, I was, I was blown away by his performance in this. And, and nothing, I think Jennifer Hudson is great. I don't think there's anybody else that could have done this, but there's nobody that sounds like Aretha Franklin. Nobody. Oh, agreed, agreed, agreed. I, like, I, I am glad she, I do hate it when they lip sync though. I mean, that was one of my biggest beefs with Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, I just, I really like when the performer does the thing. I mean, just like Val Kilmer did with Jim Morrison. Like, I, I appreciate the whole performance in these biopics. Oh yeah. That, yeah. I agree with that too. I agree with that too. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Definitely get it. Go get out to the theaters and watch uh, respect if you can. Um, X rated on Peacock. Did anybody get to see any episodes of X rated? I no, I didn't. Joe. No, that wasn't, uh, I, that wasn't yeah, on my I, list. 
Did I not put? Ah, fuck! It must have just been something that I didn't say. Oh, fuck. don't watch it. It's terrible. <laughs> happy accident thank you yeah sometimes my list like i'll add stuff to it and i've already sent you guys a list and this is one of the it's a, it's a it's a it's x-rated is a revealing social experiment that looks at sex and relationships in a whole new light it is hilarious shocking awkward and even informative the series challenges Adult singles of all ages and backgrounds to face raw, candid feedback on everything from their personality to sexual prowess and relationship skills in order to find out where they went wrong and how they can improve. Host Andy Cohen and sexologist Shan Boudram help singles overcome relationship issues after enduring a gauntlet of ratings by their exes across a number of steamy categories. And I got about fucking 15 minutes into this. And I was like, this is fucking terrible. This show, this show fucking sucks. And, uh, I didn't care. I just didn't care. I didn't even get to the sexologist part. I just got to the part where host Andy Cohen is talking to like this person and then they brought in their ex and then they started talking about their relationship and they would rate themselves in a category. Then their ex would rate themselves in that category from one to ten. And then, and then I was just like, this is, this is fucking dumb. Why, why do I care? And I just turned it off and I was like, and, and I was like, oh, I'll hear what everybody else has to say about it. But I forgot to tell you guys to watch this piece of shit. And so now you just get to hear my half ass opinion about X rated. It's on Peacock. Don't watch it. It's garbage. Yeah. It sounds like it was not the kind of steamy that they advertised. It's a steamy turd. Yeah. <laughs> it's the kind I wipe off my ass, Jake, when I use my bidet. <laughs> yeah. uh, anybody get a chance to watch any of Mr. Corman on Apple TV Plus? Yeah, I watched I the watched first one two. Episode. Yeah, <laughs> I'm no, I've seen that. <laughs> What's that? What's that, Jess? And I'm all cut up, of course. <laughs> I haven't watched the third episode that dropped yesterday, but I've watched the first two. Joe, did you watch any? No, I haven't seen any of Mr. Corman. You're just underperforming this week, aren't you, Joe? <laughs> that one was also not on my list. <laughs> I, I fucking swear. I'm sending out different lists to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Corman was on my list. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Corman is described as a deep cut into the days and nights of a public school teacher in the San Fernando Valley. It's uh, created, written, and directed and stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And, uh, yeah, I've watched the first two episodes of this series. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to get you guys' thoughts. Um Jake, what did you think of the first two episodes? Yeah, I think I liked the first episode more than the second second episode. This shows a, a borderline taste it for me. Um, it's definitely something. It is very out there. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like just a really depressed kind of middle-aged fifth grade teacher. And you just kind of follow his exploits while like he's kind of freaking out. Like I didn't really know what was going to happen in this show. I, at one point I thought maybe it was going to lean towards like the Dexter thing where he was like some kind of serial killer or something. Um, there's definitely some, some crazy vibes coming from his character, but I don't know if it's ever going to get that dark. It just seems like he's more pathetic and it, it's, it's just a very depressing look at like middle-aged life. It's, um, 
it's definitely a show for someone. I can see how people could really, really, really love this, but yeah, I don't know. I, I probably won't stick with it unless I hear incredible things about how it turns out. Okay. I want to hear from, uh, I am going to stick, hold on. I am going to stick with this one. I think I'm going to be watching. I, Apple TV plus has not let me down a lot to be quite honest with you. Um, from the, from the content that they've provided, uh, I am going to stick with this. I'm going to give it a, I don't know, man. I'm fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm teetering. It's either a high taste. Yeah, it's a high taste it right now. Cause I can't say it's a Tupperware yet. It's definitely a high taste. I'm hooked on it and I'm going to be watching it week to week. Um, we haven't even gotten to like some of these characters that are going to be showing up in this movie, uh, in this show yet. Like we haven't, Hugo Weaving hasn't showed up in the first two episodes. Maybe he's in the third one, but he's a part of this cast. Deborah Winger, his mother in this. Oh my God. I do not like her. <laughs> I love Deborah Winger though. Um, I just like his interactions with his students. Like he's talking about like Lewis and Clark and then he goes into like their guide and calls her, calls Sacagawea the female, you know, the female guide. And he's got like one of his students like questioning, why did you have to refer to her, her as a female guide? just grilling them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, to me, honestly, like, I don't know, like, where he was coming from by saying that. And I think he was coming from, like, a very innocent place of just calling her a female guide. But, like, in all honesty, if you're, like, a kid growing up, you might not know who Sacagawea is. And it's not a prominent name. It So you might not know if it's male or female. And, like, so if he calls her the female guide... At that moment in time, like if they're not familiar with who Sacagawea is, now they, they, now they know it's this female guide. And that's all I took it as. And like this student is kind of like, yeah, like grilling him, Jake. Like, why did you have to refer to her as the female guide? Why can't she just be a guide? And like, he's feeling like attacked by like a fifth grade student. I'm just like, oh my God. I feel so bad for this guy. He's already got like, and he's got anxiety. He's having like panic attacks. We know he's had like this girlfriend breakup. And then like he meets that girl at that club and like he can't. Oh my God. He fucking can't get it up in the bedroom. And I'm just like, oh my, this, I, I'm, I'm hooked on this show. I don't know where it's going. I have no idea like what What's story. Up with his roommate too. Yeah. His roommate like trying to be, be one of those like, uh, those weighted blankets and laying on him and shit. I was like, that is so weird. Um, I feel like he's not even real the way they, the show portrays him. Oh, uh, bizarre. Yeah. I don't know if I'm getting into like that kind of stuff where it's like, is his roommate just like, didn't his, like he met up with all those guys at that fucking, when they're playing video games or some shit later. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's the show is definitely willing to show you things that aren't real, that are for sure not real. Like the, you know, the asteroid racing towards sure. the planet. Yeah. So I don't think it's beyond the show's abilities to pull the rug out from under you at some point. Yeah. I don't know if, if his roommate's Tyler Durden, though. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Jess, what did you think about Mr. Corman? Um, yeah, so I, I'm totally caught up on the show, um, all three episodes so far. 
Um, and I, I'm, I'm back and forth. I think, um, some of these episodes are taste it. Some of them are high taste it. Some like, and it's, it's real weird. Cause with this show, it's almost like moment to moment. It's not even like, like you, you can almost not even look at the episodes as like just full episodes. It's, it's real fucking weird. I was, um, one of, one of our, my friends guessed it on our last episode and I told, he was like, Oh, should I watch this? And I was like, well, you don't have to, if you don't want to. And then I was like, I think it's going to be surreal and depressing. <laughs> That's actually a pretty decent description on my part. Um, not having watched any of, or having watched like just the first two episodes. Um, I think I like the second one better than the first. So I'm kind of a little bit opposite of what Jake said. Um, and I think just because like, I think they did a really good job in that episode with the um, anxiety and the panic attacks, the asteroid like incoming the entire episode and then also the music cues throughout the entire episode with that like gong that happens the whole time. Um, I thought that was really effective. Um, and you know, it just kind of like, you just kind of like, why does it, why is that gong happening? And it's giving you like almost giving you a panic, panic attack while you're watching the show. Um, which like, I kind of really liked that, uh, that different like mood setting. Um, I'm not really sure how I feel about, uh, Mr. Corman yet. Like he, sometimes he's like super relatable and likable. And sometimes he's not like that, that whole, um, scene at the bar in the first episode. That's like, Whoa, like that was like, fuck, that was crazy. Um, and he's not super likable in, in those moments. And I mean, like we all make mistakes. So like, you know, you're willing to forgive it or whatever. Um, and the third episode is just something totally, it's like, like it's more of the same, but then also like other things happen that's different from what we've seen so far. So you're just like, ah, but like, I think in that, in the third episode, you kind of, you kind of get to relate to him a little bit more on certain aspects. So you see a little bit more of him opening up and then, and like the more you meet of his family, you're just like, cause you meet his sister in this episode. So like the more you meet of his family, like I felt the same way about his mom. Like, dude, you need to learn how to communicate cause you are just not doing a good job at all. It took me, uh, it took me until the eighth episode of physical before I started to like Rose Byrne's character. Yeah, yeah I don't think you're supposed to like her a lot in most of it. <laughs> well, it was the, it was the scene where she fucking went off on her mom and dad about like what happened yeah. in her childhood. And that's the scene that kind of like pulled it all together for me. Yeah. And, um, in this show, I will tell you guys that I'm pretty sure a hundred percent, well, not a hundred percent, but I'm like, 75% sure that like, so this episode or this, um, this season is definitely going to have a standalone episode, um, in the same vein as, as mythic quest. If anybody has watched that, um, they have like a standalone episode every season that doesn't really relate to anything else. Yeah. And episode four is about the roomie. So that's supposed to be the, the standalone episode. So we'll see if that is that is if I'm right on that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, the I, I've only watched the first season of Mythic Quest, but I loved that standalone episode so much. It was Jake Johnson and Kristen Milioti in that episode, and it was such a fantastic episode. It's still it's still my favorite episode of the entire thing, season one and season two. It's like the really pandemic good. episode comes close, but yeah. 
that episode is just such a great contained story. Um, and I hope that they do the same thing with this show, but I don't, you know, who knows? Cause it's two different shows. So I have no idea, but I think as far as I know, and I'm pretty sure it was June that was the one that told us this on our last episode that it's just going to be an episode focusing around the roommate and that's it. Like, I'm not even sure that Mr. Corman was going to be like in it at all. Like maybe just like passing by, like, Oh, good morning. (laughs) Greg, did you watch Mr. Corman? Yeah, I watched the first episode and it, you know, it, I had, I guess what you call a mixed reaction. It almost felt like the episode was kind of split into two halves and the first half, you're kind of getting to know Mr. Corman and some of the characters and you get this sense that, you know, he thought his life was going to be one thing and it's something else. And you're introduced to the roommate. I was trying to piece together what was going on based on all the little clues they give you. And I actually thought he and the roommate were a couple at first. And I, you know, I picked up that he was talking about an ex-girlfriend. Interestingly enough, I sort of high tasted the first half of the pilot and I tossed the second half as soon as he goes to the bar and meets the, the girl. Um, it almost felt like they were trying to portray him as being sort of like a charming guy who couldn't do anything right in the same way that John Favreau's characters in Swingers was. And it just, I didn't find him particularly likable in that whole situation. Um, and again, it's a pilot, so they're just trying to get us acclimated to like who's who and who the characters are on the show. So I, it's it's an early judgment, but I I sort of felt it was maybe like a middle of the road taste it, and I was wishy washy as to whether I would watch another episode. You think? Do you think you'll go back and watch anymore? If you guys say it's worth it, I probably will. If not, I probably there's just so much good TV. I don't think I would. Hmm. That's where I'm at with it. Hmm. I would trust you if you told me that it really sticks to landing. I mean, if, if you know, like the thing is, like if you are cool with not having like a particular direction that the show is going for, then watch some more. But I, I don't know if you guys will really dig like the next couple episodes. You know, because there's no, there's no like real direction and where it's going at the moment. It's more like a kind of like a portrayal of this person at the moment. Yeah. It's not Watch real. this loser. Yeah. Watch this loser suck at everything. <laughs> I, I get to, I, I live that, Jake. It's, it's like curb your enthusiasm minus the fun. <laughs> it's, again, Weird. my life. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. I think it's going to get more musical as it goes though. Um like we already kind of see that in the first like first to second episode there's a little bit more music from the first and second and then the third there's more music than that. So I think <laughs> and that's like Joseph Gordon-Levitt like that's his thing and I think that's kind of what the project was like based on if I'm not uh, mistaken. Um, by the ninth, think- by the ninth episode, we're just going to be listening to like a radio station. <laughs> you know, I I don't know if it's me or not, but I couldn't tell if he was a good piano player or a bad piano player at the end of the episode. <laughs> I couldn't either. It's up in the air. <laughs> 50-50. I don't know. Did anybody watch uh, Reservation Dogs? I did. I did. Nope. No, I didn't see that one either. I probably didn't put it on your list, did I, Joe? 
No, we've actually covered everything on my list so far. Uh, yeah, I, th- I, I think I, I think I gave Joe, Joe got the Joe got the very abbreviated list. Yeah, I just, yeah. <laughs> I just you said Joe my list by mistake. Uh, no shit, <laughs> Jake. Your catchphrase for the longest time was "No, I did not." <laughs> <laughs> That's like that's what the main reason that I got started getting guests on this show is so I could get somebody that that would watch shit with me. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that time period coincided with my my resurgence of Magic Plane. (laughs) Okay, okay. Uh, The series follows the lives of four indigenous teenagers in rural Oklahoma as they spend their days committing crime and fighting it. After their best friend's suicide, the quartet is determined to leave home and reestablish the group in California. Uh, it's a comedy series that's created by Taika Waititi and Sterling Harjo, who, uh, who is a Native American filmmaker. Um, yeah, uh, I, I watched the first episode. They dropped two. I watched the first episode and, um, I'll give, I'm going to give it a taste it. I, I thought it was okay. Um, I don't know. Well, I'll get your thoughts. I, 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 I I thought it was okay. Jake, what did you think about Reservation Dogs? Yeah, I'm right there with you. It, it definitely felt – I only watched the first episode. It very much felt like a pilot. But there was definitely like the recipe for something that could be really good there. I'm going to kind of keep my ear to the ground on this one. If I hear good things, I, I would come back to it. I thought that it was definitely a, a fun group of kids that they they assembled. And I, I really liked the um, – a lot of the altercations between them. I thought the bear character was a very good character and just like, man, just the, the hijinks they get up to, it's pretty intense. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of want to see where this goes. This could get really dark too. I, it kind of felt like it had that ability to it. I feel like it's, it's like the, 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 the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I loved the scene with the police officer and, and the group of them, him just listing off all the, uh, the crimes that they're the ones who committed. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the truck driver scene too, I thought was very awkward and very yeah. funny in a, in a dark way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Greg, you watch this? Yeah, so I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here because I saw the pilot, and that's just the first episode. And um, this is the best thing for me that we saw this week. This is my favorite thing that I saw this week. I I loved the pilot, and I almost always don't like pilots. And it's largely because I started to feel... I'm interested in the cast very much in the same way that I felt after the first episode of Stranger Things. Like just in terms of a young cast that had talent and interesting characters and different personalities and stories that I wanted to hear more about, I really found myself getting very, very quickly attached to this cast. I'm going to say one other thing that really just stood out for me. There are these two supporting characters that are kind of like aspiring rappers (laughs) on the reservation. Yes. They are my favorite supporting characters on TV or in film right now. They are absolutely freaking hysterical. And uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb and Tupperware the pilot. And the only reason why I'm a little hesitant because I just have no way of knowing where a show is going to go after a pilot. But I I loved this first episode with bells on. I got, 
if I wasn't tight on time, I would have continued to watch hands down. I, I adored this first episode. And I, I really, I just, all of the, the sort of awkward, dark humor just kind of landed with me. Very All the things you mentioned, Jake, the, you know, the conversation with the police officer, the fact that they stole this guy's truck and he happens to be in a store talking detail by detail about how it absolutely ruined his life. <laughs> it, gave it, him I, I, <laughs> it gave him diabetes. Di- he, he had to get his toes cut off because they stole his truck, essentially. I, I just, I <laughs> laughed my ass off. I thought it was really funny and I can't wait to see more. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Reservation Dogs, Taika Waititi show. So, yeah, it's on, uh, it's on uh, Hulu. It's on FX, but everybody, I'm watching it on Hulu. Same. Joe, are you are you caught up on Dave? No, I've I've still just got like maybe the first episode in. I've got to get back on it. What the fuck, dude? Online. I know I have no good excuse. It's so fucking good this season. <laughs> I know I keep wow. shit online on like Twitter and stuff about how good it is. I'm like, fuck, I need to get back on that. I can't I can't even get Jake to watch the first goddamn episode of this fucking show. <laughs> well, I'm a known piece of shit. So, like, 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 like who's got to suck your dick to fucking get you to watch this episode, this show, <laughs> and not just one episode, not this, oh, not I this. Tried to watch this fucking show, and Hulu was like having a breakdown. It wouldn't let me watch this show. I'll fuck. I'll fucking. I'll fucking Facetime the show for you, Jake. I'll fucking I Facetime mean- this shit. I'll fucking play it here, and I'll Facetime it. I'll fuck you know. I'll fucking act out the first episode. I'll pretend that I'm Dave. I'll fucking. <laughs> yes, I'll recreate the whole yes, fucking thing. Yeah, I'm in. I'll do it like that Jack Black movie. Who like he's recreate recreating all those movies and shit and filming them on VHS. I'll do this for Dave for you. <laughs> You're a real friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I, Jake. I really do think that no, you would I, like I, this I'd show. Really like. You said you think I'd really like it, and I, I, I kind of, I'm not going to lie, I kind of forgot about its existence after it failing to not work on Hulu that one week. So, I will check again. I might fail to call you for the next episode, Jake, if you don't watch this. <laughs> all right, all right. It is, it is my must-watch show. <laughs> we're off, we're off for two weeks. No more shows. If my, Hulu, that- if my Hulu doesn't work, I will FaceTime you for that reenactment. Oh my god, it'll it'll happen. I'm gonna bl- I'll blow your dick off with my performance too. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's the lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Greg, where where are you right now with your phone? Are you outside? <laughs> Yeah, so I just want to give you a play-by-play. I, I, my battery on my AirPods died when you guys were reviewing Respect, and I, I charged them and re-plugged them back in. I'm in my basement right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll go back outside if it's better. I don't think. No, you're fine. No, the basement's fine. When it's I good. Gotta, Stay right there. Yeah. Stay in the basement. Cicadas outside, a beautiful background noise when I go out there. Yeah. No, you're fine in the basement. You're fine in the basement on your phone in the basement. Hopefully in the dark. (laughs) Hopefully in the dark. I I do have lights on. I do have lights on. (laughs) 
<laughs> Guys, in uh, in quick news, we might. It sounds like we might get a new Expendables movie. Uh, Stallone was teasing a new Barney ring on Instagram, and if you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, the character wears rings on his fingers, and he was teasing a new Barney ring. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, Sloan teased the sequel by posting on Instagram two days ago a photo of a golden skull ring with purple stone eyes, assumed to be his character's new lucky ring. He wrote, just finished designing the new ring for Expendables 4. It's a little heavy, but I'll definitely put some muscles, it'll definitely put some muscles on your fingertips. Um, I'm excited for an Expendables 4, but... You gotta keep this shit rated R. That PG-13 bullshit from Expendables 3 fucking sucked. Expendables 3 was fucking garbage after the first two. Saw the, I saw all three of these in the theater. And the first two were fucking glorious. Glorious fucking movies and love letters to like 1980s and 90s action movies. That third one was a fucking flaming turd. And so... Joe, are you uh, Joe? I would imagine that you're a fan of the Expendables movies. To tell you the truth, I've never seen a single one. Jesus Christ, Joe! <laughs> I, I think I'm familiar with the IP, though. Isn't that where it's like a bunch of like older action stars yeah. that are okay? Yeah, so, yeah. I've seen trailers and stuff back in the day, but yeah, for whatever reason, I've just never seen one of them. Oh my god, am I the only Expendables fan on this podcast right now? Yeah, I haven't. I've seen, seen them. Either. I'm not. A, I'm not what you. Yeah, I'm not what you call a fan, but I, I've seen them. A couple of them. This is just the wrong news story for for this group. <laughs> tough, tough crowd. Go for ahead. If you want to, if you want to stay with the story, I'll go on mute and I'll sit in my basement and listen. <laughs> Do you know if the third one was a financial success compared to the first two? Would that deter them for do, from doing another PG thirteen one? Like, hopefully, it was kind of a bomb, right? I, I I don't know how it performed financially. I just know that like fans were were not. They brought in younger blood into the third one, and the, the whole charm of the Expendables movies were the fact that it was like old action stars that they brought in. Like you had Jean Claude Van Damme as the villain in the second one, and and I think like by the I think in the third one they had Mel Gibson as the villain, but like. They brought in Ronda Rousey, and I think Scott Adkins was in that one, but they brought in some young blood. That's not what I want to see. I just want to see these old action stars, man. That's all I want. And I want to see blood, and I want to see fucking violence. And, uh, you know, I love the Terry Crews, Jet Li. I love this shit. Dolph Lundgren. It just, that, that third one was PG-13 trash. Um... But why bring it up when nobody on this podcast gives a fuck about it? So it was a, it was a horrible story for for me to bring up this episode. With literally yeah. no no fans of the franchise. <laughs> well, I liked your build up. How big of a fan Joe was going to be? I thought that like I know Joe. I know Joe. I feel like Joe's like you know, Joe loves the action stuff. Joe, I was like Joe loves rated R shit and these action stars. I was like Joe's not going to let me down, and then. And then there's just like this <laughs> from Joe, and I, I and I knew that I was like I like Greg was like yeah I saw him I don't give a fuck. Jess didn't speak no, up, so I knew Jess didn't give a fuck. Do you think there's any chance they can get Steven Seagal to be in the Expendables? 
Oh, would that get you back on board, Greg? <laughs> I, I mean, probably. I, you know, I, I'd be curious, like how out of shape he is. You know, stuff like that. Well, so we need to make it happen. So maybe you'll fucking watch another Expendables movie and give a rat's ass. I may. I mean, I might watch it either way. It's just how much of a rat's ass I give. You know what I mean? It's just uh, yeah. Oh my! Oh, God. they're all on Hulu. Yeah, I'll watch the first one probably tomorrow. I know you will, and that's what I love about you. But you know what? Fucking a, a month from now, Jake's still never going to see the first episode of Dave. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, I'd actually just empty, empty, empty promises from Jake. Empty Aww. promises from you, sir. Aww. I've watched the last two things that you've demanded I watch. Oh, dude, I had seriously, I had to fucking, I had to raise hell to get you to watch those things. After fucking like years of me begging, getting down on my goddamn knees and begging you to watch these things. And then it, it, it literally comes down to me throwing a childlike temper tantrum in the middle of like the produce aisle. <laughs> because, because, because I want, Jake, I, 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 I want double stuff Oreos and I, we're not going to leave the goddamn store until I get them. <laughs> and that's what it, that's what it took for me to get you to fucking watch the raid movies. It was worth it. Both. Both things that I watched from the temper tantrums were, were both worth it. I know. I'm not you trying to that. steer you wrong. I got you to watch the Raid movies. I got you to watch Train to Busan. These are, you know, I'm, I'm not going to beg you to watch the Expendables movies. Like, like, that, that's not where I'm going to, cause I, I don't need you to get on here and give them a low taste. I don't need that shit. Okay. <laughs> I don't need, I don't need that shit in my life, Jake. My cat just murdered a stuffed animal. Can you hear him? Yeah, I was going to say, what is going on? <laughs> He's hey, hovering over hey, the Joe. stuffed animal caterwaul. Joe, if you're watching Expendables for the first time, we should do like an Expendable the retrospective podcast, you and me. We'll, we'll do it. Yeah, dude, let's do it. That would be so much fun. <laughs> Greg, don't Greg, Greg's only comments during those podcasts are like, "Is this the one that's got Steven Seagal in it?" Because <laughs> <laughs> if it isn't, I don't give a shit. There are a couple guys. Like another one, did they have one with um, Jeff Speakman in it? Remember the fastest hands in the West? Remember they that? did not have Jeff Speakman in it. Jeff Speakman, these, these are missed opportunities. Jeff, no, fuck you. <laughs> Jeff Speakman was Jeff Speakman was the worst action star of the nineties. Well, look, he's not he's not good, but he had really fast hands, and they need to get Jeff Speakman in the expense. Get out of here, <laughs> Jeff. Jeff Jeff Speakman was garbage. Get the fuck out of here. I was he was a garbage. Yes, he was. He was actor, but yeah. So who had faster hands than Speakman? Who had who had better hands? What, hold on, one to one fight versus who? Hands only. Who wins? I got better fucking hands in the bedroom. I got faster hands in the bedroom than Jeff Speakman. No way. No way. If Speakman fought Van Dam, hands only, Speakman beats the shit out of Van Dam. <laughs> what does that even mean? They're not, they're not kicking. They're not kicking. Jake, it's it's a, it's a slap fight. Hand speed. So under those circumstances, so it's, so, so two grown men slapping each other. It's unbeatable. 
<laughs> Jeff Speakman. Jeff Speakman made some of the worst action movies in the nineties, man. Oh my god, the perfect That's weapon is so garbage. Guilty pleasure. <laughs> You're the only one banging that Jeff Speakman drum. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me Google just to, I want to see. First of all, the guy, I just, I just looked on Google. He looks absolutely fantastic. He's ready. He looks like he's Jeff. Jeff Speakman. Jeff Speakman. Jeff Speakman is Expendables 4 ready. Why are we not making this happen? You move over, yeah, so Stallone. I will tell you that I just Googled and I found an article from the year 2012. In which and it's titled, it's titled Fastest so, Hands in Hollywood. Starred, go ahead, go ahead. Lost, Can you hear me? Yes, read, yes. Your, read your fucking Jeff Speakman bullshit. Right. <laughs> There's an article from 2012. <laughs> <laughs> very, very timely, very timely. Yeah. It says, Jeff Speakman, the international... Tempo star would be perfect for an Expendables film. Okay, okay. What 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 outlet is this coming from? Uh, Vulture. Vulture is legit. Vulture dot com. That's that's one of the trades, right? Vulture. Yeah. Yeah, I, okay, alright. You, you know what? Fuck it, Greg. Fuck it. Fuck it, Greg. I concede the world is clamoring for Jeff Speakman in an Expendables movie. <laughs> the world is cl- I guarantee you today is the first day that Jess and Joe have ever heard the name of Speakman. This Come on, true. Joe. Okay. Yeah, Joe had a Jeff Speakman poster on his wall in 90, probably 89, 90, right? Joe? Dude, I had to Google him. I'm like, who the fuck is Jeff Speakman? I'm looking at all these pictures of him. I still don't know who he is. This whole time. He was a bigger. Joe, he's the guy. He's in that. He's the guy from that Vulture article from 2012. (laughs) Oh, you mean 10 action stars who should be in Expendables 3? Comes up when you he was, yeah, he, he, he was, he was number cool. 10. Yep. He's the number 10. I was getting ready to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Look. And, until Brian said Speakman, I thought you were saying Speedman. So I, I no, no. About Greg. <laughs> well, that's, that was his nickname because he's got the fastest hands. He's, <laughs> 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 he, he would have been a, look. They had Dolph Lundgren, and he's better. He's more of an action star than fucking Dolph Lundgren was. Come on. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous argument anyone's ever heard. I cannot believe. Yeah, I cannot believe that, that I've never encountered anyone in my fucking 43 years on planet Earth that is a Jeff Speakman fan. <laughs> ever. A fan is a strong. I, Dude, you are sucking his fucking Speakman cock right now. Um, Greg is a Jeff Speakman. You're pulling up. You're pulling up articles from 2012, bro. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that poster story he tried to paint about Joe was basically him. Greg right now, Greg right now is buttoning his shirt because he's got a Jeff Speakman tat on his chest. 
<laughs> I'm a Jeff Speaks fan. <laughs> Jeff Speaks stands. Yeah, Jeff Speaks stands. Right What's up? Yeah, how many? Are there three Expendables movies? Or three, four? three. So, so what? And we have not gotten Christopher Lambert, right? No. Why not? Come on. We got. Um, we it, I think in the second, <laughs> the second or third one, Harrison Ford was the pilot in one of those movies. Yeah. It's lucky they lived. <laughs> oh, God. Jeff Speakman. Dude, you're trying to get off Jeff Speakman? Dude, I never let this down. Jeff Speakman? Jeff Speakman? Oh, look, here, here's, here's, my, here's my point. And I, rea- I realize I'm going to take some shit for this, and that's fine. And, and by the way, I'm going to give you one other name that's a big missed opportunity. And the, huh? But Jeff Speakman... Was a legitimate action star. Prove me wrong. He was a legitimate action star. And if you're going to have a franchise about age action stars, Jeff Speakman was an action star. How can that not be? <laughs> you're looking up his grosses right now. The only movie I know from his IMDb, IMDb page is Lionheart, where he played Mansion Security Man. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's not a fucking action star. <laughs> Look at that. He was a star. Look, there's a different, there's a different kind of like compass for stars at that. A lot of them were stars on VHS, and that's where history. Let me give, let me give you one other one real quick. I realize I'm beating this into the ground. Do you guys remember the movie of the American Ninja movie series with Michael Dudikoff? That's another guy they got to get in this thing. Michael Dudikoff. I'm sending yeah. you guy a picture of the guy that, that, that Greg wants in this Expendables 4 movie. Here we go. Here's the picture. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's about to lose his arm. Are you looking at the, the picture from Wikipedia? He, he, looks like, <laughs> he, looks like, he looks like an adult Jerry Mathers who played the beaver on Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> well, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is who you want. No, no makeup, no costume. That's just pro- come on. <laughs> so, hey, look. When the guy was at his peak, he was cut from granite. He was. The guy was. The guy was a, a beast. <laughs> you, you can't deny Greg's passion. Oh my god, I have never heard anybody love Jeff Speakman so fuck. Jeff Speakman doesn't even love himself as much as Greg loves him. It's not that I love him so much, but look, they, they've gotten pretty deep into the. They're, there's a catalog of action stars from that era that they kind of get for the Expendables. And, Steven Seagal, we've already covered. But Jeff Speakman, in my opinion, is a miss. It's a miss. It's a miss. Honestly, I would, I would, I, they should pull up fucking Lyle Alzado's bones out of the ground before they get Jeff Speakman in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> there are tons, there are tons, there are tons of fans of The Perfect Weapon listening to this podcast right now as I'm saying this, just nodding their heads. They're like, yeah. Speaking. Yeah, yep. there there are tons of three people. 
They should get Jeff Speakman to be mansion security guard in Xfinity. But even even that, I would like that would be like an Easter egg for the for the Speak fans. You know what I mean? It would be like a little something just to let us know that he's not forgotten. It's called should just the speak fans. The speak stands. I wish we could silence the speak fans. <laughs> Let's move on. I, I'm just, I, I'm, we're literally, we've spent probably 20 minutes talking about movies you guys don't even give a fuck about. <laughs> I mean, Greg's very I passionate. Did. I gave constructive feedback about what would make me care more, and you mocked me for that. I, I, you know, dude. Well, it went from Steven Seagal to Jeff Speakman. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh fuck! Uh, do you guys remember that uh, Big Trouble in Little China movie that The Rock was supposed to be starring in? We've been hearing about this yeah. fucking thing for years. Well, I got some updated news on it from Dark Horizons. With Jungle Cruise now in cinemas and on, did the, and on the Disney Plus service, the film star Dwayne Johnson and his producing partner Hiram Garcia have been doing press rounds and answering questions. Uh, the pair worked together at Seven Bucks Productions. Banner with Garcia serving as president of production and producer on Johnson's assorted films. Collider recently spoke with Garcia at length about all projects currently in active development at Seven Bucks about the movie's status. Johnson plans sequel to John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China has stalled somewhat due to complications surrounding the property. Quote, it's still an ambition of ours, but unfortunately there are complications that come with a legacy property like that, which has so much attached to it from over the years. Uh, we have a really fun idea on what we want to do with it, especially since our goals was never to remake big trouble but simply continue it similar to what we did with jumanji we would continue the story and make the sure the original stands on its own since it means so much to us and fans all around the world so needless to say we are still working on making that happen but as with any great project the road is not easy uh just like getting jeff speakman in expendables 4 we've kind of stalled I can't believe that's in the quote, Greg. This is so wild. The, the one thing that is a little bit embarrassing is I just I've done some further research. It looks like uh, Jeff Speakman is currently a Kenpo instructor somewhere in Australia. That's what he does for a living. He opened up a studio, and he does have some YouTube videos. Dude, his his his, his TikTok is off the chain, bro. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're going to try to figure out a way to continue the story of Big Trouble in Little China. So it looks like they've got a, uh, I don't know, they've got a, a, a problem with the, the uh, with the property here. Some complications that come with the legacy property, and uh, I'm kind of fine with that, man. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't. I hope that this just continues to like not happen. I don't need any more. Like if we were ever going to get a Big Trouble in Little China sequel, it should have happened in uh, late 80s, early 90s. It, definitely not in uh, 2021, 20, 22. So, so. I'm kind of... I, I, I love that movie. I think it stands on its own, and I, you know... I mean, some of the actors... 
I don't know. Where do you go? Where the fuck do you go? I mean, I know that they've continued the story in comic books, and I'm totally fine with that, you know? But, uh, I don't know. That is a really good question, though. Is that, you know, what what was their planned treatment? Is this something that is going to take place today, and it's just going to reference events? I mean, the way that they referenced Jumanji in the article, it's like, well, that was pretty successful. But I agree with what you're saying, that this doesn't need a reboot. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it it doesn't need a sequel. And I'm really happy to hear that they weren't planning to do some sort of reboot. Right. That would have been really fucking terrible. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I liked Jumanji. I liked their Jumanji sequel so much that it it does give me some hope that if this does go through, that it'll be decent. But I totally agree with you that it's not something that I'd be – that I need – do you I think the issues they're talking about are like, you know, trying to get the story right or is this just a legal, you know, who's getting what royalties? I think it I think it's the based on what you said. I think it's the latter, dude. Gotcha. Yeah, and the rock's a busy guy too. So, not only do you have to figure all that like legal eagle stuff out, you have to, you know, work around his schedule. Well, Jake, think about how long they've had with this, like we've been hearing about this for, I'd say four, four years now at least four, maybe yeah, it's even. Been a, it's been a long time. I and, remember like talking about this in my basement with you. Sure, and th- yeah, yeah, it's been a long time, and so, so yeah, so this has been like maybe over five years, five six years. Definitely could have fit it in somewhere in between there, um, and I feel like they have a story that they want to tell. It's just. I I think that if this ever saw the light of day, I don't know if even like The Rock could could man. There's nobody that can fill fucking Kurt Russell's shoes as Jack Burton. I don't care, man. I don't care. Jess, yeah. were, Jess, were you a fan of Big Trouble in Little China? Um, you know what? I've never actually seen it. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> something that actually it kind of like I should watch it. Honestly, yeah, because it it's something like I've. You know, like, I've heard a lot about it, like, over the years, and, like, I totally should have watched this. Like, I mean, it's it's something that's, like, right in my wheelhouse, so I should definitely watch it. But- this was on fucking repeat for me as a kid. I watched this movie, like, Jake, like, this... I watched this movie and then I would play, dude, I would watch this movie and then I would play double dragon pretending that I was fucking like the characters in the fucking movie playing double dragon. And then like when Mortal Kombat came out with Lord Raiden, I always compared him to like the electricity dude in Big Trouble in Little China. I love this property. Totally. Yeah. Like I should, like I should have watched this and I should watch it. I should watch it like now, but. Um, but from what you guys are saying, like, it's so hard to sometimes capture that aesthetic that, you know, it just, it doesn't seem, it's like, whatever, it's been four or five years, just can it. I agree. Yeah. I don't think as much as, like, it's such a great movie and such a beloved movie, I don't think that too much time has passed. I agree with that point. I don't think the IP is strong enough to make a lot of money just based on the IP. It's not Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. I think The Rock is like the only way to possibly get this thing to make some dollars. So I, I could see why they would want to put The Rock in this position. I was always thinking like back with like, I, and then we're going back to like 
you know, 2015, when we were talking about this story originally, I was always thinking like, oh, you know, I don't want to, if they ever did anything with this, it, Chris Pratt would be the guy to do it. And now it's just like, man, I don't need any more Big Trouble in Little China. I got that first movie. That first movie is perfect. Just leave it the fuck alone. I don't need anything else. So yeah, 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 I hear you. You know me. I'm I'm a big fan of just making a great ass fucking movie and then moving on. If you wanna, if you wanna, you know, if you wanna find out like what happens like after the movie, there are comic books, and the comic books are actually really good. It literally They're a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it literally starts off from like where the movie ended and goes on from there. So that little fucking that 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 uh, that. It's been years since that I read him, Joe. Thing. But that ape demon, yeah. Yeah, it goes into that whole thing, yeah. Yeah, it's like his buddy hey, in the comics. Throw... And then they even did an old man Jack. Yeah. Also, where it's like an older Jack Burton. And that was a lot of fun, too. Yeah, just read the comics. What it's fun. It, what about Jack Burton played by Wyatt Russell? I'm not saying I would like I'm just asking if you would, if, would you, would you sign on for that? I mean, no. yeah, I don't know. It's. I, I would be interested in seeing Wyatt Russell playing one of his father's characters. I would I would be interested to see how that would play out. And I'm not saying Jack Burton, but it would be interesting to see him. I would be happy. And they're not going to do it. They cast somebody else's. Didn't, who did they cast as Snake Plissken? I don't remember. Jeff Speakman? Jeff Speakman. Jeff Speakman. <laughs> are they re are they rebooting Escape from New York? Yeah. Oh, what a terrible idea that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, we're gonna make this better. No, you're not. I know. I don't know. Great. I don't know what they're people are thinking. That. Levi Nell suggested Wyatt Russell star in the yeah. remake. Yeah, I'm looking this up too. Yeah, Lee Winnell suggests Wyatt Russell star in Escape from New York remake, and that's not such a bad idea. That came from the Slash film last year. I don't know. I can't remember. I, I, I think a lot of fans were really wanting Oscar Isaac to take on that role. That's decent. I, don't I want him, I want him I, I don't a solid snake in the Metal Gear movie. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Maybe that's who I was thinking of. Maybe. I mean, they're very similar characters. Solid Snake is definitely modeled after Snake Plissken. 100%, yeah. Let's see here. Ooh, the orig- yes, Escape from New York's on HBO Max to stream right now also. <laughs> Escape from L.A., one of the worst sequels of oh, all time. Oh, God, Escape from <laughs> L.A. was sure fucking terrible. <laughs> it's so bad, it's almost good, though. It's like that kind of level. It does have a handful of those lines in it that are so bad that they're epic. We used to repeat them all the time in high school. <laughs> hey, uh, um, Greg, what's your favorite Jeff Speakman line? <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I really could. T- what I would- really? I'm shocked. I'm sh- <laughs> Hold on. Greg, stop the presses. I'm shocked. Your whole, I reject your whole question on premise because with Jeff Speakman, it's more about the quality of his martial arts abilities. Here's what I need you to do, and I, this doesn't have to be now. I want you to go. I want you to go to YouTube. There is a Jeff Speakman tribute. Now, I will. My disclaimer is it is best viewed in 720p because this is an old video. But there's a lot of you, no, no, no. But you see, 
let, let me just say, you're going to see about 50 arms get broken in like 30 seconds. This dude was a fucking machine. Just watch the Jeff Speak and tribute. You're going to sit, you, they cut, you're going to get to see him do some great katas, everything. Watch, check it out. Jeff Speak uh, and tribute, YouTube. Jess, Jess, I hope you bring your tissues for this because I know you get. <laughs> Don't I, forget them. I know you get emotional, <laughs> and I, I want to make sure you bring your your tissues when you watch the Jeff Speakman tribute, and make sure you watch it in seven twenty p. They they even have they have a few videos of him as he progressed in his career and got a little look he got a little overweight I'm just gonna say it I'm just gonna say it <laughs> those hands move too but, fast uh, for low death but the hands are still fat those were the days where they called him <laughs> Jeff Jeff Eatman yeah. oh. I just can't believe that I'm sorry I'm you that was mean that was funny. Video, and I can't believe that you don't appreciate good quality martial arts. I mean, I- Wow! <laughs> this shit got personal real quick. <laughs> wow, that that feels like a that feels like a Jeff Speakman hand attack, bro. <laughs> no, no, it I'm came fast. Look, 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 look at this. <laughs> yeah, you ever see? Yeah, you, you ever see? You ever Jeff, You ever see Jeff Speakman attack a attack a plate of cannolis, Jake? <laughs> They disappear so fast. <laughs> yeah, dude, I had to watch it in 720p. <laughs> <laughs> just hand to mouth like a <laughs> I just I just I just implore you to watch this video. It's about it's less than four minutes long, but it's um <laughs> Greg, I, Greg, I promise you, I will watch one episode a day before I watch the Jeff Speakman tribute video on YouTube. Let me see. I gotta, I'm going to send you the link on Facebook. Hold on. Gotta, oh, that'll help I gotta immensely. Remem- I'm going to see if I can remember my password. Oh, my God. Guys, let's move on into... His password is, I love Jeff Speakman <laughs> underscore... <laughs> 69. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. All right, let's move on into let's move into DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. All right. Oh my god, this fucking Jeff Speakman tribute. This this episode is dedicated to Jeff Speakman. I didn't know I had the biggest Jeff Speakman fan on this episode. This is insane. It's not it's not so much that I'm a fan. I just can't I'm having trouble processing that you don't consider him to be in the the pantheon of nineties action stars. I mean, that's where I'm struggling. That would be that would be completely legit for him to be in an Expendables film, dude. Jeff Speakman, if oh, Jeff Speakman is not going to be fucking people are not going to be like flocking to Expendables four because of fucking Jeff Speakman. I promise yeah, you, no, but this Z- is zero you can, you wow can, factor. Like it, it, you can introduce his hands to a new generation, right? Of people that never got never saw the perfect weapon, you know. <laughs> 
All right, all right. Can we move on? (laughs) (laughs) I guess the first time I've ever said that on this entire podcast. Hey, Greg, Greg, when was the day that you sat down your boys and said, I'm going to introduce you to Jeff Speakman's hands? That that has not happened yet. Yeah, Some of those movies are a little violent yet. for that. Today you become today you become men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we need to try to get Jeff Speakman on the podcast. I bet he'd come on. I bet I bet you I could get him on here in five minutes. That motherfucker ain't doing nothing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I just looked to see if he was on Cameo, and he is not, unfortunately. I, I um, actually looked about 15 minutes ago to see if he was on Cameo, because I was going to spend the five bucks for a Jeff Speakman Cameo for Greg like, <laughs> during the podcast. It would have been delivered by the end of the podcast. Yeah, I know. I, wasn't, I, I just didn't bring it up because I was Jeff, Jeff, that he wasn't there. Jeff Speakman would have been outside like mowing his lawn and finally got the ding on his phone. <laughs> You must not know, you know about what? Cameo. Someone needs to tell him. He probably he probably doesn't even need a mower to mow that lawn. He just cuts the grass with his cut That's all hands. All hands. Jeff Speakman. <laughs> he's like, you ever seen somebody cut their lawn in 720p? Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> you just see the video, too. Greg, thank you so much for mentioning me. This hasn't happened since 2012 when they wrote that article about me being an expendable screen. <laughs> all right, all right. Video yet? <clears throat> you want to guess how many followers the official Twitter page for the perfect weapon Jeff Speakman has? <laughs> <laughs> 1,199. Come on! Is that that a verified Twitter? Is that his legit, like... It's not blue check-marked, but it's the the biggest Jeff Speakman Twitter account going. So if you can get, like, Uh, a quarter of those people to see Expendables 4, you still have a pretty big financial flop. (laughs) Yeah, well, his... Yeah, you're right. It is the official Twitter for him, and there are only 1,100 followers. I will acknowledge. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sweet smell of <laughs> Something, something, something that is elusive to Jeff Speakman himself, Jake. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, DC oh, News. Viewer Anon this week. Guys, Viewer Anon has been like kind of, uh, you know, the person on uh, Twitter and, uh, you know, 4chan that has been, you know, dropping leaks and rumors and things like that for the past few years. Um, but this week, Viewer Anon has uh, been dropping rumors about how Warner Brothers feels about the Batman so far. Uh, the Matt Reeves movie. Here's what he or she tweeted. So to put my cards on the table, here's what I've heard about the Batman. The cut thus far didn't fully meet Warner Brothers expectations. And since I trust Matt Reeves a hell of a lot more than I trust Warner Brothers, they should stay the hell back and let him finish the movie. And he went on to say, he or she went on to say, it doesn't mean the movie is in trouble. Warner Brothers was shaky on the Joker. 
through its entire production and still let Todd Phillips do his thing, I encourage them to do the same thing here if my info is accurate. So, honestly, I'll be honest with you. If Warner Brothers, here's the thing. If Warner Brothers is not comfortable with, if if they feel like this, it does not meet their expectations. It doesn't fully meet their expectations. I think we're looking at possibly a really good movie then. (laughs) Yeah. I did. Aren't these the same people that love BBS when they first saw it? Oh God. Yeah. I remember like the first screening of BBS, like the Warner brothers executives were like clapping and shit. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, this, this lines up to a good movie. This news. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Oh my God. Who, who thinks Robert Pattinson could be a great Batman? Oh, for sure. You from that trailer? Yeah, a hundred percent. He he could be very good. He definitely has the passion. Like he he can just seem like he has so much anxiety and so intense. Like uh, it could be great. He what's that? Batman. What's that Safety Brothers movie he was in, Joe? Did you watch that? Well, I'm not sure. Um, I think we might have lost Greg though. <laughs> <laughs> fucking he, he went back. I'm back on the Skype. Him. Do I No no no, do I sound okay? I just jumped on the Skype again. No, you sound fine. You sound good so far. Yeah. I didn't know if he fucking like went off to some Jeff Speakman website or something. I don't know. <laughs> but no, I didn't see that Safety Brothers uh movie that you're referencing with Pattinson. Has anybody on the podcast watched that Safety Brothers Pattinson movie? I'm trying to look up the name of it. Hold on. I don't know, but he was great in the lighthouse. So, oh fuck the yeah, lighthouse! I love that too. Fuck that movie. That movie is trash. <laughs> I hate it. The movie is so dumb. I liked it a lot. <laughs> movie is trash. So are these are these the same Warner Brothers executives that gave Bat- the early cut of Batman v Superman a standing ovation? Remember that story? We just talked about that. That was probably when you oh, were gone. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Greg for thanks, Greg for five minutes ago. I'm gonna go back on mute now. No, no, the movie I, the movie I'm referring to was Good Time. Mm, I've not seen that. Fucking uh, Neil uh, was raving about Good Time, and so I saw that it was on Netflix months ago. And I watched this shit, and it was fucking amazing. And he was also good in uh, High Life. If you've watched High Life, which was that science fiction movie, it took place uh, um, in space. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Robert Pattinson could be a fucking excellent Batman. Can't wait for that. And uh, you know what? <laughs> I don't care that Warner Brothers is worried about this movie. I think if they're worried about the movie, it's uh it's a good sign actually. <laughs> so for sure. Uh yeah, they definitely haven't shown themselves to be like a savvy bunch right. when it comes to picking out really good movies. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit wild that it's like you can just live right in the face of all your shitty decisions and still just keep going on and being oblivious. Trust the guy you fucking hired. Right? Yeah. If you hired Jeff Speakman to do <laughs> a movie, trust that Jeff Speakman is going to bring those beautiful, fast action hands. 
I mean, that is Warner's saving grace, though, is that it's like like what they did with the Suicide Squad and bringing in James Gunn. Yeah. You know, it's like bringing in a, dire- bringing in a director that can make a good movie and just let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. You might think that you've got great fucking ideas, but save them for your accountant because you're probably better with money than creative ideas. And one of the scenes that they were worried about in the Suicide Squad turned out to be one of the fan favorite scenes. Like, you know, like they were like, uh, did did you guys go too far in that scene? And we're talking about the scene that happened with the Freedom Fighters and, you know what I mean? And Warner Brothers was really worried about that scene. And it's a fan favorite scene for the people that love the Suicide Squad. We loved that scene in that movie. And that's the scene that Warner Brothers was worried about. Yeah, just stay the fuck away from it. Uh, there are set leaks from um, Shazam Fury of the Gods, which is filming right now. And uh actor Rachel Zegler, who is going to be in this movie, she's wearing a costume that uh, is leading people to believe that she's playing uh, an, a, a daughter of Atlas in the movie. She she really hasn't done anything. She's going to be in the upcoming West Side Story from Steven Spielberg. Anyway, I saw a video that leaked this week on Reddit and it was a video of Rachel Zegler and while she's filming Shazam and she's kissing the character of Freddie Freeman and Shazam was like watching the whole thing. So she kisses him and walks away. And then like the two are standing there, Freddie Freeman and played by Jack Dylan Grazer. And then uh, Shazam are kind of like, you know, giving each other like these like smiles and stuff like that because like she kissed him. So it looks like there's going to be kind of like a, a romance between Freddie Freeman's character and uh, Rachel Zegler's character in uh, the, I know this is not a huge breaking story, but I thought it was a really cool video and I can't wait for this next fucking Shazam movie. So um, anything that I can get from that movie, I'm kind of like eating up right now. And then that's leading into the Black Adam movie, which I'm really excited for with the, with with the rock. So yeah, I thought it was really cool. So it looks like Freddie Freeman might be getting some uh, romantic action in the next uh, uh, Shazam movie. Yeah. All right, Freddie. Yeah, I can't wait for more Shazam. Shazam was a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, I've seen some of the set photos, and it looks like they, they even made his, like, muscle suit look a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, the suit definitely looks better. It does. Flash movie news from movieweb.com. I sent you guys this article, um, and I've, have you guys, have you guys seen the pictures? Mm-mm. I sent you guys this article this week. Oh yeah, the, the, the Flash, the doppelganger <laughs> stuff. Yes, yes, yes. There's a new rumor, uh, swirling around, uh, upcoming DC movie, The Flash, and it claims to know who the villain of the piece will be, and it's certainly an unexpected choice. Now, please be aware that this is just a rumor at this stage and has not been confirmed, but it's an interesting one, so here we are. The report claims that the villain of The Flash will be none other than The Flash, with an evil alternate version of Barry Allen acting as the movie's main protagonist. Uh, the report states that this other Barry Allen will serve as a primary villain in the movie, acting as a Dark Flash antagonist to the displaced Barry Allen, and that the Flash will take elements from the Flashpoint comic for its plot. The latter is something that has been expected for some time in the Flash due 
to introduce alternate versions of various D, uh, different DC characters, including Michael Keaton's return as Batman. But the idea that Barry Allen will feature as both hero and villain is new and is certainly very curious. Yeah, there were pictures that showed them like walking on the street together. I don't know if you guys saw these pictures, but I've been seeing them pop up on Reddit. But like pictures of like Ezra Miller talking to like another actor that looks exactly like very close to him. So that's what it's leading people to believe that this could be a evil version of Barry Allen that's going to be the main villain for this movie. That's kind of wild, like especially when one of the biggest Flash villains is Reverse Flash. Like it's almost going to seem redundant when they try to introduce that character if they try to introduce him later. Like I don't know how I feel about this. I I, I wish they'd do something a little bit different with the villain. They said the mixed. The Flash will reportedly introduce audiences to the multiverse, and should it use Flashpoint as inspiration, it's likely that the movie will see the fastest man alive travel back in time in an attempt to save his mother, who was murdered during Barry Allen's childhood, and so is often the case with these time travel misadventures. Barry's meddling finds him emerging in a much bleaker alternate universe in which the Amazons and Atlanteans are involved in an all-out war that has left the planet destroyed. This alternate version of the DC universe finds Bruce Wayne dead, killed at the hands of the same criminal. We, we, yeah, we know the story of, of, of Flashpoint. We've got Thomas Wayne taking up the mantle of Batman and he uses guns and he's more violent. Um, with them saying that it could be like a dark Flash or a dark version of, of Barry Allen, that's basically what the reverse Flash is. Cause he's from way in the future. He was obsessed with Barry Allen. He recreated the same accident. He even got plastic surgery to make himself look like Barry Allen. Yeah, I've actually... He went back in time and then discovered that, oh, this guy's not who I want him to be. I'm going to be his fucking greatest villain. I've actually... This could totally fall in line with Reverse Flash. Well, I, I, I think that it is going to be a version of Reverse Flash because, like, from... I think I have... I've seen pictures and they're saying that these are leaked pictures of the villain in their suit and it does look like Reverse Flash. So I hope I, so. That'd be a real <clears throat> cop out if it's just evil Flash and they don't. I mean, rever- especially if they're doing Flashpoint, like Reverse Flash is like the catalyst of that whole story. Well, so. when you first see the the pictures of of uh, Barry talking to the other version of Flash out in the street, they're just they're dra- they're just they they look just like. It looks just like Ezra Miller as Barry Allen, and the other character looks just like another, you know, human guy, not in a costume or anything. And but he's wearing a yellow shirt, which makes me believe that it is going to be a Reverse Flash kind of thing. So cool, yeah, man! The Flash movie. I'm excited for that too, just because on paper it's got so much going on. <laughs> yeah, but will it be a mess? That's the big question. In my mind, going into this, I know I was so many different conflicting reports, but and we've had so many fucking directors. How many directors have they had on this fucking project? It's been like a carousel. Exactly. How coherent of a story is this going to end up being in the end? Um, I'm excited about it, but I'm I'm still pretty hesitant. Mostly, I mean, I'm hesitant about anything that's coming out from WB. Yeah, I'm just not sure about them. You know, it's. I mean, granted, this year they gave me one of my favorite fucking comic book movies I've ever seen. So I can't discount them too hard. 
It's, well, it's little, you can't discount. Right? We can't hold on. We can't discount James Gunn. That's all I'm saying. Well, yeah. And, and what, that's one of those instances where they brought in a good director and they didn't fuck with him. Right. So, yeah. But with this one going through so many different directors, I mean, in a way, how can it not be fucked? But yeah, no. Yeah. And they keep piling so much on its like shoulders too, like how it's supposed to be this like catalyst for a whole like DC cinematic universe and everything. Like, eesh, like just let it be a good Flash movie. Well, the, like, like Marvel's introducing the multiverse just to introduce the multiverse. I feel like Flash is introducing the multiverse basically to retcon the Snyderverse. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that's still their agenda, or they have they kind of given up? Are they still trying to set up a DCEU, or are they? You know, God damn it! Setting up. That's the question. That, are are yeah. they still just doing individual movies, or are they still trying to like connect everything? And I feel like if they're going with Flashpoint. It, this is if you're gonna do this, this is the way to reset the universe. So I still feel like the the plans are to eventually kind of like set up some sort of universe eventually down the road. Do I think that that's what they should do? Well, they haven't been able to prove that they can do it, so I would say no because they haven't been able even with this even with this like this is this is it. If you can't do it now, you're never going to do it. So why use that card now? <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, I agree. Why do Flashpoint if you don't have future plans? You're, you're just trying to do some retcons and make it feasible so you can have big superhero meetups in the future without being tied down to what's happened before. It doesn't seem like they know. Still. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Just like, oh, we'll see how this movie goes, and I guess we'll wreck on it if this movie goes fine, I guess. Like, it, it's just like, what? If this movie gives them a clean slate, I don't know if I trust them to fucking take that clean slate and then be able to fucking spin gold out of this. Because I, I know they will, they will shit right back in that bag. <laughs> you know, like, well, here's the thing. Like, I like what they're doing here with, like, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and the Black Adam movie. I think, like, those definitely could tie in with one another. But as far as, like, expanding that great into the greater DCEU beyond that, I don't know, man. Like, the... the <sighs> I just, I just don't trust them to, to build a whole world. And it feels like, like Kevin Feige is like playing this fucking game of chess and he's always like 10 moves ahead. And I feel like they're, they're just like, even from the beginning of this thing, they, they fucking just rushed everything. Everything. I mean, right out of the gate, it's like we get like, you know, three movies and they're like, we're doing a Justice League movie. Fuck it. Like one one of those movies was Suicide Squad, which like didn't even feature anybody that was going to show up into the Justice League except for Batman for five fucking seconds. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like they just went way too fast for it. Yeah, but and then also didn't really care about like continuity from like movie to movie. Like they just changed shit up, like from you know thing to thing, and you're like, what? <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah super, I, Superman's like three different characters in the span of three different movies. Yeah, like it just doesn't make sense. I didn't, I didn't care about Cyborg until I watched the Snyder Cut. Same. Yeah, same. Let's move into Marvel news. 
fucking this bumper is long as shit, dude. <laughs> You've really tired of that bumper in the last few episodes. I'll pl- I'll play the whole thing, but it is long. It is long. I feel like Jake fucking like bitching about length of shit. <laughs> Marvel News. <laughs> Greg just messaged me the Jeff Speakman video. Greg, I'm not watching that shit. <laughs> <laughs> to everybody. Oh my god, I got this fucking shit too. It's good shit. I'm, telling you, I'm like, I don't know. I seriously watch it. Did this, I sent you two tribute videos? You don't have to watch it now, because you know, because we're in Marvel News, obviously. But when you're free. Watch the second tribute video and then the first one. But there's some good, there's some good shit there. <laughs> Listen to this. This is it. This is the video. <laughs> great music. Go. Go Speakman. Oh shit. <laughs> Look at him. Look at him slapping these motherfuckers. The guy with the bloody nose that he smacks around? That's awesome. Uh, Jeff Speakman jamming the snap. Damn, I am gonna watch that, Greg. I don't, I don't. Jeff, Jake ain't gonna watch it. Nobody else is gonna. I'll watch that shit. I'll watch yeah. some Jeff Speakman highlights. Think, hey, when you were watching, what did you think of them hands though? Pretty fast, right? dude. Fast hands, <laughs> fast hands. But dude, come on, Jeff Speakman. He's got to <laughs> be like, yeah, I don't know, man. He, does he have fast hands anymore like that? He's sixty-two. Well, there, there is a video. If you, if you the, this tribute video that I just sent you, if you go about two minutes exactly in, you get a clip that's a little more current in his career, and um, he is wearing a suit. He has a beard, and his hands are not quite as fast. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's bring him on for Expendables Four. Let's do it. Um, Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher. Did you guys see these pictures that were released this week? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm excited. Yeah, pretty fucking cool. Pretty fucking cool. Christian Bale in a Marvel movie. As gore, no doubt. Oh my god. Joe, I know you fucking lost your shit. Uh, oh, dude, I know. I'm I'm just still scanning through the pictures right now, and I'm just in disbelief how much they're really going for it. Yeah. Oh, dude, I can't wait to see that fucking sword that he uses done in live action. This movie's wild. Ooh. This movie's gonna be wild. I mean. And, and, and Gore is such a profoundly serious, scary character. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I just got the feeling that Christian Bale is going to do something really spectacular here. I hope so. I hope so. It, it, J, uh, Joe, do you think it's gonna be a one and done character? Like- I hope not. Because, man, he's, he's really, really powerful. 
And the way that, you know, they did that storyline in the comics, I mean, he lasted for a very, very long time before he was eventually dealt with. And so mm. I'd like to see him stick around, you know, through phase four and phase five. And, and hopefully, you know, he's going to be somebody that, that takes a while to deal with. And it's not just going to be a one and done. I think it's going to be a one and done. I bet it's going to be a one and done, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. see Christian Bale coming back. And I don't I think it's going to be a one and done. It makes the yeah. most amount of sense, but it, I'm I'm just hoping for more. No, <laughs> I, no, I no, love no. That character, so me much. too, me too. I I loved I loved that arc in in the Jason Aaron run, and and so. You but, think yeah. Gore will die in the movie? I do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, news from IGN, Let There Be Carnage has been delayed again, so Venom, Let There Be Carnage is not going to be coming out uh, on September 24th, and it will be released now, uh, just a couple weeks later, uh, October 15th. Oh, that's my birthday. All right. Happy birthday, birthday, Joe. Let There Be Carnage. Let There Be Carnage, Joe. (laughs) It's going to be, it's going to be a carnage birthday for you, sir. I love that first Venom movie so much. I can't wait to watch this. Dude, I love that first Venom movie. It's so yeah, good. It's it's I need to revisit it. it. Yeah, dude, I just watched it again not too long ago. My kids love it, too. And um, it's got some lines in it, like, the, you know, the turd and the wind thing. It's just so cringeworthy. But then there's other parts with it that are so fucking great. I can't but, believe they used that. I have that nothing in... but high hopes for this sequel. I can't believe they used that in the trailer. Jess, did you like Venom? I loved it. Um, <laughs> everything about this movie, like, it feel like it would be like, why would you like? This? No, I, I fucking loved it. And if if this one kind of follows the same like vein as the first one, then I'm gonna fucking love it. And that the line in the trailer where you know he Venom sees Carnage and he's like, oh no, it's a red one, and he just disappears. It's just like amazing. Hmm. I'm looking. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, hold, Greg, hold on. I'm going to get back to yeah. this Jeff Speakman video. Hold on. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Fast hands. Fast hands, man. Really fast. I like how, Brian, you eventually got won over by the whole Jeff Speakman thing. You, like, conceded. <laughs> A little he bit. Did, he did concede. <laughs> <laughs> you conceded that it would make sense for him to be included in the cast. Jake, the film, and that's what my you, point was. Have you read, have you read the, 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 the video that, that Greg sent us actually says the perfect, I know, I said that I cracked me up. The perfect weapon, a Jeff Speakman tribute, and then it says best viewed in 720p. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, Jeff Speakman! Wow! Wow! Ah, He really does have the power. Um. All right, guys. I want to get into uh, – this is the final thing that we're going to be talking about uh, for the podcast is – and if you want to bounce out now, 
that's totally fine because we're going to be getting into what I believe are actual Spider-Man No Way Home spoilers. And uh, this has been uh, – this is – from what I'm reading on 4chan, there's a leaker that says a bunch of different things and we're going to get into um, – what this leaker is saying uh, is going to be happening in uh, three different acts of uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. And yeah, let's, let, let's, you guys, uh, if so, if you don't want to know these, just drop off. You're done with the episode. It was nice knowing you. Now watch that Jeff Speakman <laughs> tribute video and then fucking go to bed. Um Let's, okay, let's dive into this. The main villain and the first Spider-Man variant. Uh, from the start of the film, we'll see Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin wearing the 2002 Spider-Man armor, but without the helmet. The action then pivots to Spider-Man, whose identity was just exposed. No Way Home will pick up right after Far From Home, with Spider-Man having to deal with the fact that people know who Spider-Man is in the timeline. It's Aunt May who will hook Spider-Man up with a lawyer who turns out to be Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock. We'll see Daredevil telling Spider-Man that he knows he's innocent, and he knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but the prosecution will use doctored footage to prove that Spider-Man did kill Mysterio in the previous films. Peter ends up in prison after his initial legal battle, and that's when a portal opens with a paper reading... 177A Bleecker Street. Hurry. Now, we know from leaked set photos that Spider-Man will meet Doctor Strange at the Sanctum. This No Way Home plot leak preceded the set photo reveal by a few weeks, too. So, yeah, this was official an official photo that showed um, uh, Ned and MJ and Tom Holland's Peter Parker... In the Sanctum Sanctorum, I sent you guys that photo. So it's it's a legit Sony photo. Um, Strange tells them that the flow of time is disturbed and that realities are bleeding into each other. The wizard has an orb that supposedly allows him to manage realities. Apparently, two timelines are merging into a single one. Strange has to use pure magic as the Infinity Stones are gone, and he can't leave the Sanctum. But villains from other realities that are almost like the primary MCU timeline have arrived, and they've all connected to Spider-Man. Strange reveals that the villains were taken from the Raimi and the Amazing Spider-Man timelines. The villains were removed from those universes right before their deaths. They're all working for someone, although Strange doesn't mention the Green Goblin at this point. That's when Strange gives Peter a special suit. He combines the Iron Spider with magic. And that's apparently when the integrated suit is... uh, That's what the integrated suit is all about. Spider-Man will have to capture the invading villains. That's why he needs special powers. So, yeah, Jake, we've seen the... um, The... It was the Hot Toys... Sideshow collectible figure. Sideshow collectible figure. And then they've also had other figures um, that have uh, leaked. It was um, Entertainment Earth had a six-inch action figure from the Spider-Man uh, No Way Home as well. And it's basically, it's it's a suit that's been imbued by Doctor Strange's magic. And 
Spider-Man captures five of the Sinister Six, but they injure him, and only three of them end up in the Sanctum. That's where Peter learns about Sandman's history from The Amazing Spider-Man. He tells the villain that in this reality, his daughter got to live while Sandman died during a bank heist. So, wait, is it Thomas Hayden Church? The no. Sand, the Raimi Sandman? No, this is from the Amazing Spider-Man series. So it's the, I guess it's the uh, Sandman, the Sandman that we never met from the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, okay, got it. All right. And his history is a little bit different from the Raimi-verse. Ultimately, the villains escape with Spider-Man rushing after them. That's when we learn that Norman Osborn is leading the Sinister Six. He arrived in the MCU reality in the past. He then disposed of this reality's real Norman Osborn and kept Oscorp under the radar to avoid the same fate from the Raimi-verse. So there was a Norman Osborn in our universe, in the MCU universe. He disposed of him. So basically he killed him. <laughs> and then, uh, wow. Just as Norman. That's pre- a lot. <laughs> yeah. Just as Norman pre- prepares to kill Tom, we get Andrew wearing the Spider-Man suit from the Amazing Spider-Man 2 saving Tom. So we have a, a Spider-Man showing up, Andrew Garfield showing up. Norman's going to kill Tom Holland, Spider-Man. And Andrew Garfield, wearing the Spider-Man suit from The Amazing Spider-Man 2, shows up and saves Tom. Then we go into Act 2. The Sinister Six never use this group name in the film, but they do have a base of operations and they do have a sinister plan. All of them except Sandman plan on killing the MCU Spider-Man and conquer this world. According to the plot leak, they want to attack the Sanctum, kill Strange, Tom and Andrew, steal the orb, and then bring over more versions of themselves into the MCU. Act 2 will show us Tom and Andrew interacting. They'll talk about the similarities and differences between their two worlds Strange will explain that he has used a forgotten spell to pull a particular person from a different timeline, Andrew. The spell allows him to pick his targets, whereas the current multiverse problem moves people over randomly. Strange can't give Andrew more of his magic, so the two Spider-Man build new suits for themselves. Tom gets the black and gold suit, while Andrew receives a high-tech black and gold classic Iron Spider suit. It's just Tom who will continue to use magic, however. It's in No Way Home Act 2 that we get to meet Toby. We find him in his timeline where he continues to save people as Spider-Man. This is where Kirsten Dunst's MJ cameo appears. And we learn the two of them have a daughter named May Parker. Toby wants to, re- Toby wants to retire as Spider-Man as other heroes have started appearing in this universe. It's unclear who they are, however. Then we get into Act 3. This is the final battle, Tragic Death and Resurrection. This will blow your mind if it's true, the tragic death. Norman Osborn and the Sinister Sticks attack the Sanctum with Tom, Andrew, and Strange playing defense. The fight is a pretty big one with Spider-Man, with the two Spider-Man capturing four of the six villains, Lizard, Scorpion, Vulture, and Doc Ock. 
Norman stabs Tom through the shoulder, and that's when Sandman saves this Spider-Man version. Osborn kills Sandman as we learn that he has a contingency plan in place to neutralize the villains who would not remain loyal to him. Norman also has a new glider from the MCU Norman's variant, which he uses to defeat Tom and Andrew. The heartbreaking death in No Way Home. Other No Way Home plot leaks warned us the film would feature a heartbreaking death. According to this leak, it'll be MJ. Whoa. With the two Spider-Men down for the count, MJ, MJ strikes Norman in the head with a steel pipe, but it didn't hurt him. I got a dog barking at me, guys. I got to take a break. Hold on. We'll finish this. All right, we're back. Sorry about that. I, I'm at my sister's house watching her dogs, and I think one of them had to take a shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> Duty calls. Literally. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so according to this leak, uh, the, the, the death in this movie, they're saying that MJ is going to die uh, with two Spider-Men down for the count. MJ strikes Norman in the head with a steel pipe. But it didn't hurt him. Norman slowly turns his attention to MJ. Tom screams at MJ to run, but Norman grabs her by the neck and tosses her across the room, slamming into a wall rather brutally. Tom screams, but is knocked down by Norman with one punch. MJ will have a death similar to Gwen Stacy in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's what they're saying. Oh, that was brutal. Yeah. Tom cradles MJ, who starts bleeding from the nose, mirroring the moment Andrew lost Gwen in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Andrew takes off his mask in shock. MJ dies. Ned and May console Tom, but Strange tells him that they've escaped with the orb, but he has brought one last backup, even though it isn't much. The Sinister Six might have stolen the orb from Strange, but not before the wizard casts a spell on it, making it glow red briefly. That's where Strange drops a portal in Raimi's universe to grab Toby for the final fight. We're looking at three Spider-Man versions against the Sinister (laughs) Six. I'm sorry, that sounds cool. Uh, three Spider-Man against the Sinister Six. Oh man, that's gonna be an amazing action sequence if they pull it off. <laughs> Toby and Andrew try to hold back the Sinister Six while Tom goes after the orb. This, this, this all gets me excited if it is true. Toby and Andrew try to get, to hold back the Sinister Six while Tom goes after the orb. The device is overcharged with energy as Norman has been using it without access to magic. Norman is trying to pull villains from other realities. If the orb is destroyed, then Strange will have no way of fixing the multiverse. Portals start appearing from the sky. Buildings, cars, and even people start falling from them. Tom successfully sends all the villains and the two other Spider-Men back to their respective timelines. Norman is put back in the last second before he's impaled by his glider. Luckily, the orb didn't break, but it's heavily cracked. That's when Peter has the bright idea to use the orb to bring MJ back to life 
and get his secret identity back. Strange warns against that, but Peter does it anyway. The orb breaks, and then Tom looks around as something happens, similar to when Thanos snapped his fingers. Strange asks what he has done as the screen fades to white. Peter's magic, Peter's orb magic worked. People no longer know who he is, and MJ is alive, but MJ has no recollection of who Peter is, of their, of their love story. Here's how No Way Home ends, according to the plot leak. We cut to Tom waking up in his bed. He greets Aunt May, good morning, and heads for school. At school, he meets Ned. They see MJ walk past the hallway, but she doesn't recognize them. She also seems to be more popular than she was before. Tom recognizes her and becomes sad seeing her, but Ned doesn't. He just says that she's out of their league. We see a somber montage of a depressed Tom going about his day in high school. There's also a class about alternate dimensions. Tom walks out of a classroom after class and bumps into a blonde girl. They say sorry to each other and make eye contact, but we don't see this girl's face. Cut to black while we hear Tom ask what the girl's name is. Movie ends. That's going to be Gwen Stacy. A hundred percent. There's no question. Now, okay, Spider-Man No Way Home post-credit scene. Benedict Cumberbatch playing uh, Doctor Strange in the Marvel's MCU movies. Image source. Okay, you can't have a No Way Home plot leak without the post-credits in it. And the leaker provides one. Unsurprisingly, it ties into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, if the information is accurate. Strange gathers the remains of the broken orb and attempts attempts to fix it, but is unsuccessful. He then senses something, hearing the faint sounds of children. Cam... Yeah, yeah. So we're immediately guessing Billy and Tommy. Right. Camera pans to his shoulder, revealing Wanda standing behind him with red glowing eyes. As before with Marvel Leaks, we can't guarantee anything at this point. But if you love Spider-Man 3 spoilers, then you might want to read it in full at this link. And yeah, that's basically like, this has been broken down for the, I think, in the, in the best way to kind of like understand, um, what this leak is about. But yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's Spider-Man No Way Home as far as like this, this, uh, leaker is concerned. What do you guys think? Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, uh, much different reaction from these spoilers than I had from when we did like the Wonder Woman two spoilers. Like that, if this stuff is true, I, I'm I'm very excited. Like I, I want to see all three of these Spider Man getting together. And God, I've wanted any form of the Sinister Six in a Spider Man movie since the beginning of Spider Man movies. So I, you know, if this is what it takes, I, I'm down for it. I love the idea of like you know, different displaced villains from universes all, all teaming together. Um, it does seem like a lot of story to tell though. And I, I think a lot of the charm for the other Spider-Man movies is, you know, just Tom Holland and his misadventures. And it seems like we're going to have to do a lot of, a lot of focusing on villains and, and what the villains are up 
to for this story to like make sense. So, it, man, it seems like this is going to have to be like a two and a half hour, three three hour movie to you know be a cohesive story. So, I'm interested in how they pulled this off. Yeah, I don't know. I think that they can do it. Um, as far as like you know, we got. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I see what you're saying as far as like kind of trying to explain. I think that they can really quickly explain that like the Norman Osborn that is in the universe now has been here and killed the, you know, the old Norman Osborn. Do you, does this mean, oh God. So is this it for Norman Osborn in this universe? They just send him. Seem that, it does seem that way. I don't like that. I don't like that, that. I don't like that. If, if is that true? Is that like they just send him back and we're done with Norman? Did I mean, they said right before he dies, they send him back. So it definitely sounds that way. Yeah, they could. They could unwind that pretty easily if they wanted to, though, right? Well, like that's like one of why my, would they do that in the first place, though? If that they shouldn't they have learned that you don't after the first movie? Shouldn't they have learned that you probably shouldn't kill him after the Raimi He's movie? Such a great villain. Like don't yeah. That's always been one of Marvel's problems, though, is that there's too many of these great villains. In the comics, they've got several great arcs, and you know they do it as a one and done in the in the movies. And it's but this is Sony. This is Sony. Like I know this is Marvel. True. You think they'd want to use him in their own? Yeah. Yes, because this is Sony. Like be perfect. Why would Sony get rid of the Green Goblin so quickly? Like this is Sony. They could do so much with this character going forward. Yeah, I mean, there's also like, did he really kill this universe's Norman Osborn, or is that, and is that Willem Dafoe or some other actor they haven't cat? You know, I think there are ways they could wiggle out of it if they mm. wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, but I, I just feel like they don't have any master plan for Norman Osborn, so they're just willing to kind of write him off here, you know, make it more grand. That is yeah, what it feels I, like. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about, this is, you know, the, we talked about this in a previous episode. This is the third movie with Tom Holland. They still seem to have a lot of runway with Tom Holland if that's what they want to do. But how does, like, what what's the sort of long plan with this Spider-Man? And, you know, there was a long time where I thought this, uh, even as you were reading the spoilers, Brian, I'm like, okay, where's the part where the multiverses shift in Tom Holland's now in some other universe? I was just waiting. For yeah, that, you know? yeah. <laughs> I've always kind of thought that that would be interesting if they if if they switched like you know yeah Toby comes into our universe for some time and and Tom goes into like the Sony side of things and like Sony can play with him on that side. You know the other thing too, and this is a plot breakdown. So it, I, I had a little trouble following the sort of multiverse logic, which I probably would in the normal movie anyway. And I don't think they'll reference Loki directly, but it didn't totally jive. And that's fine. That's not a big deal. We'll see how that works itself out. The other thing is I, it did. I, what, how big of a role does Jamie Foxx have? Cause they made a big deal. Right. I don't know. Maybe it was inadvertently. And I like barely any reference to Electro even being in the movie. Right. You know? Yeah, there's like, there's literally like, we got all this, you know, as far as like these leaks are concerned, it was more like Sandman kind of being like the sympathetic character by the end of this one, the sympathetic villain that like steps up for Peter by the end of this movie. And, uh, we hear a lot about Sandman, but I, I did 
I don't even think Electra was mentioned in this leak. And no Doc Ock yeah. either really mentioned. No, there was. There was, um, there's a fight that happens. He kept, Spider-Man captures four of the six villains, Lizard, Scorpion, Vulture, and Doc Ock. Uh, that's it. That's all I got there. So Electro and Norman are the two that are free still there at that point. Yeah. Osborne eventually kills Sandman. Sandman is going to be kind of like the, the one of the Sinister Six that, uh, that has, uh, I guess, you know, feels bad for this kid that like, uh, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I mean, in the six one six, he eventually becomes even an Avenger at one point, the Mm. Sandman. So yeah, it's a lot of, but if you think about it and uh, you know, it doesn't mean these leaks aren't true, Yeah, but now we got Michael Keaton doing practically nothing in that plot either, you know, and that's Michael Keaton, right? Yeah. So, and, and you know, it just might be the plot breakdown didn't highlight where Vulture is really, you know, in the movie, but uh, that's a lot of star power doing a whole lot of not uh, not being in the movie. Well, you it's, know? it's fucking weird to me, Greg, that we know that from the trailers that Vulture shows up in the Morbius movie. Yeah. Yeah. Is it going to be the same Vulture? I, I don't... Yeah, it's got to be. It's, it and at this point... Could could Morbius hit the screen after Spider Man? Because Morbius got pushed back forever, right? Yeah. yeah when that does is what's happening? I, this does. Yeah, I don't know what's. I don't know what the fuck's going on now. <laughs> yeah. When uh, Morbius release date? When is that? Let me look this up. This is very confusing. It just seems. Yeah, January nineteenth of twenty twenty two. So this this would actually come out. If that's still the same date that they're looking at, January 19th of 2022, that's just like two to three weeks after we get Spider-Man No Way Home, because that comes out in December. Right, as of right now, you know, they just moved Venom. You could see them just waiting and moving Spider-Man, too, if they wanted. Sony could. I, yeah, I, Sony definitely could. Uh, it feels like Shang-Chi is going to still come out in December, uh, September. Yeah. Have you seen, like, the, the article comicbook.com came out with that uh, they think that Shang-Chi is tracking for, like, one of the lowest MCU Marvel openings ever? Yeah, I think yeah, they were – it was, like, $35 million maybe they were thinking, like, it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, it, with all the stuff going on with the Delta variant, with it not being a known Marvel property, I mean, sadly, this feels like one that a lot of the a lot of the you know standard people think they could probably just miss. Well, it'll be like uh, I, I I've heard that they're going to use this kind of like as a, a litmus test to find out if they're going to go back to the premium. Mm, I read that as well. I or premiere well. is what they call it, the premiere pricing. You know, where you could watch it on Disney Plus. This and one other movie. I forget what the other movie. Oh, it was Free Guy. It was also, a, you know, another Disney movie that they uh, are yeah. kind of testing it with. Yeah. Yeah. Is Free Guy going to win the box office this week, you think? Uh, I think it did already. I think I just saw an article. It did pretty well. Jeff Speakman looks like such a tool in this fucking God. <laughs> Oh, yes. I was waiting for the 180. It was making me mad that you conceded. Uh, <laughs> no. Did you see that little part where he's wearing the full suit and the purple shirt when he's a little older and he's doing kicks and stuff like that? No, I haven't gotten to that part. 
fucking, he's a fucking dope fighter, man. All right, I'll watch it later. Jake, are you going to watch Heels? I don't know what that is. What? Come on. <laughs> yeah, Heels, you're the big wrestling fan on this podcast. Uh, it's the... Uh, it's the wrestling show that's coming out on stars with the uh with the arrow guy. Oh, Stephen Amell. Okay. Stephen Amell. I'll see him punks in it. That's a turn off. Um I'll I'll probably check it out. What's well, on when we return, we're gonna be talking about it. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Just like he just like he watched Dave, huh? <laughs> <laughs> No, it'll be different than Dave because I'll, I'll actually watch it. Jesus Christ! What I got? It's, it's not like I'm asking you to watch a bad show. Dave is fantastic. People have been raving I, about Dave. I, I conceded. I said I will watch it. I, I tried to watch it before, but the stupid fucking FX shit on Hulu was was down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, it's always up that fucking Jeff Speakman tribute video on YouTube. I will never fucking watch that. I will watch Dave twice before I watch that. It's shit. three. It's three minutes long. I've listened to four hundred episodes of this podcast, and you can't listen. You can't watch a three minute video. How many? How many times were you asked to listen to that podcast? This one? Yeah, it's a good question. I that is the answer is never, but I did it. You're comparing us. You're comparing us to a Jeff Speakman tribute video. No, no, it was just kind of like a, you know, watch it for me, Jake. That's all. I meant. You know what? Greg's like. Greg's like. I've gotten through. Greg's trying to pull like special favors so I can watch the fucking Jeff Speakman video. <laughs> I just want your. I want your honest reaction on the on the quality of his martial art abilities, which I think is undeniable. That's all I'm saying. It's hard to argue with what you see. Is, is Jeff Speakman repped by Handy Greg? <laughs> you can only think that he's going to be cutting him a check. <laughs> Thank you for saying my name 500 times, man. I'm really I glad got, that you brought me up on this podcast. If this, if this, oh my, Twitter followers. If this, I have a feeling like this episode's going to get back to like Jeff Speakman somehow. <laughs> Oh no, we're gonna have a new enemy. <laughs> the fast hands are gonna no. be coming for us, Brian. Oh my god. I'm gonna put up a video of him fast handing at a PCL logo. Well, I just want. I he, hope if, so. If this guy does get to him, I just want him to know, Mr. Speakman, I've had your back through this entire episode. <laughs> he knows. I remain knows. committed to advocating for all the work you've done to advance Kimco Karate. And uh, thank you for a wonderful career. I celebrate your entire catalog. <laughs> From which you can't remember a single notable piece of dialogue. I celebrate 720p. I love it. I celebrate your entire catalog. I love it. (laughs) It's never been uttered ever. This is the first time. That has never been uttered about Jeff Speakman. Oh, Wherever he is, he's listening to this and rolling a tear. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's it. That's all I got. We are we are not coming back next week. We'll be 
back uh, the final weekend of August. But I want to thank our guest this week, Joe Stark. Thank you, sir. Where can people find you when you're not watching a three-minute video of Jeff Speakman and those fast-acting hands? You can find me on Starkcast, a podcast I do have long-form conversations with uh, lots of different guests. Uh, Greg, would you get a shiatsu massage from Jeff Speakman? E- easily. I easily would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Greg, where can people find you, man? I have a YouTube channel called Amazing Home Projects with Handy Greg. I do home improvement and life hack videos. With a comedic twist. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing in the videos on purpose. I, I don't research. I don't follow any instructions. I just try to work it out. <laughs> Sounds like a Jeff Speakman film. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of his favorite directors right there. (laughs) And Jess, where can people find you? Uh, You can find me on uh, Apple to Oranges, um, an Apple original TV series review podcast. Um, One of three of the hosts. So you can check us out there. Yeah, check out Apple to Oranges. Uh, I need to get, I need to get, I'll get on your podcast one day. It, It just, I just need to get I need to get a Roku player that will play it. You need you need to finish all of just Jeff Speakman's his 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 vast catalog of. Uh, all right, I'm I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna go on a tear watching Jeff Speakman movies tomorrow. Just watch the Perfect Weapon. Just watch that. Just watch that. Just start there. Where can I watch the Perfect Weapon, Jake? I'm gonna make you watch this shit too. No. I'm sure it's on. <laughs> sure it's on uh, let me see if it's on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, it's there. Does it make it more? You can buy it, but it's twelve twelve ninety nine. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, twelve ninety nine. <laughs> That price just suck it. That price just set Jake off. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, 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 I'll dare Jake. You watch it. I'll cover the cost. Jake, you could buy. You could literally buy a weapon from someone for cheaper. Oh, for sure, and have more enjoyment from it. <laughs> you can rent it for three ninety nine, Jake. Oh, that's better, but oh my god. This guy must need a buck. Twelve ninety nine. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's funny, there's there's one rating on iTunes <laughs> and it's one star. Oh no, that's not the same perfect weapon movie. Thank God. Yeah, different movie. Oh, it may be cheaper. Yeah, different movie, same title. And that one has Steven Seagal in it. From 2016, so not the same movie. Hold on, I'm going to read a rating here for the perfect weapon. Let me find a the the. This one has five stars. The Jeff Speakman perfect perfect weapon has five stars, and that is with that's there is consensus that's seven ratings. This is it's a six point oh on IMDb. (laughs) Uh, To me, to me, Tometer, it's forty two percent. But that's you know. Let me see here. As, uh, ooh, ooh, the greatest it, martial arts movie ever. 
<laughs> here's what here's one that says warning spoilers and it, oh. <laughs> no i'm not, definitely gonna, not gonna be reading that one here we go violence noisy this is a five out of ten violence noisy action fights and revenge by one army man okay that's eh, a dumb review <laughs> The Peak of Speakman's Career is what this one's titled. Speakman. Jeff Speakman was on the road to martial arts superstardom since being a master of the Ken Post style of fighting. A fighting style that was new to Western audiences. However, the perfect weapon is far from perfect. For starters, the script is full of sputtered dialogue, which Greg Alenti cannot even repeat. <laughs> <laughs> leaving the characters especially speakman as vapid shells with nothing to work with the acting is equally atrocious with inane incompetent and uninspired by the numbers direction well listen they're clearly talking about the supporting cast the know? material is nothing special to begin with as with the case of most martial arts movies though some of them are technically polished and brilliant of that era but the perfect weapon is not all that bad, though. Some of the fight scenes are impressive, and the fact that Speakman gets beaten up and vulnerable, this could have lent Seagull more credibility, as well as the fight, final fight between Speakman and the big guy was one of the only good things about this film. Too bad the end product was more or less than the sum of its parts, and Speakman sadly faded away into obscurity from the spotlight. <laughs> Possibly forever. A shame. Well, they were wrong. They were wrong. He, he's not totally faded away. He's still out there. Doing his thing. We got, ooh, here's a three out of ten. Far from perfect. <laughs> um, here's, here's one titled, Fun Little Time Waster. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one. It's titled "It's All Right." It's all right. Are these real critics though, or are these just people? These are people. These are just people. Yeah, I mean, come on, they don't. They, yeah, we know that Greg Olenti only trusts the real critics when it comes to Jeff Speakman projects. Well, it's funny. I I went to I went to Rotten Tomatoes. And I saw a review from Owen Gleiberman, who's a well-known critic from Entertainment Weekly, and I clicked the review, and the review isn't even up on Entertainment Weekly anymore. It just leads to a 404, like a dead page. A page not found. They don't even have the, the review up anymore. Here's my favorite review so far, and I just love it because of the title. It's a, uh, it's a 1 out of 10 stars. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> the title is The Perfectly Stupid Weapon. <laughs> That's was, real that, clever. was that review written by like a three-year-old? It was written by Rap Emmett, Rap Mister back in no this is written November twelfth of nineteen ninety-nine. <laughs> Wow. It was, uh, it says the perfectly stupid weapon. I think the guy's dancing at the beginning of one of Steven Seagal's movies was intended to mock Jeff doing his forms to dance music at the beginning of this stupid movie. The plot is predictable. The fights were fair and Jeff acts about as well as the sofa he beats <laughs> as the sofa he beats with some sort of weapon in one scene. Does he beat a sofa? That's impressive. Yeah, kind of. That sofa didn't stand a chance. Do, can you do me a favor? Do you have... Go to Rotten Tomatoes for me. No. You um, need to see the voice... <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Which too far, Greg? I, uh, let me read some quotes from the, the the people. And by the way, these are not just these are audience reviews. These are super reviewers. Okay? Ooh, oh, these oh. are people. You know, a product of its time. Worse <laughs> <laughs> than anything Steven Seagal put out. Jeff Speakman is quite interesting in the lead. And then it goes on to criticize the story. But listen, there's, you know, uh, this is a good action flick that I think is a hidden gem. Or it would be labeled as such if I owned a video story and it was amongst my inventory. Jeff Speakman has some pretty cool moves. And I thought in the opening <laughs> sequence as he's working out with the nunchucks to I Got the Power, it gets you pumped to see the film. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, hey, Greg, have you accepted Jeff Speakman as your Lord and Savior? <laughs> All I ever said was that he's a legitimate action star. No, you've said a lot more than that. Like, that is not all you've ever said. That's been my thesis. That's sort of like my main point. Half of the things that you've said, I didn't understand because you had his dick shoved so far down your goddamn throat. <laughs> went from recommending him to the Expendables to thank you for your entire body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was like, um, uh, excuse me, Mr. Speakman, if you are listening by chance, uh, thank you for your style of Kempo, and I also want to thank you for your entire body of work. Uh, God, uh, God bless. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love boy. the shit. Well, listen, I used to go to the video store and rent the VHS tapes of his movies. Uh, really just the perfect weapon, uh, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> this is so sad. <laughs> like the, the guys at the video store are like, hey, it's that kid. He's here to, <laughs> He's here to rent the perfect weapon again. Sometimes they would take it off the shelf to watch Greg flip out. Where is it? <laughs> got a board full of tally marks because they got a pool going with an over and under. <laughs> They're finally like, oh, we, we found it. Don't worry. Stop flipping out. Greg's crying and shit. <laughs> You know, he was born and raised in Chicago. It's, you're, you're destroying someone from your neck of the woods. I just think it's, uh, you know. Oh, I know. Supporting, should be supporting it, his career. I know. It hurts me at my core as well, Greg. Oh, yeah, you know, he, he only took 10 years of acting lessons, too, it says. He didn't really. He was a martial artist. I would have guessed long. it was less. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that is it. We will see you. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. I, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Greg, 90% of the people listening right now have no idea who the fuck Jeff Speakman even is before they entered this episode. 90%. Here's what, that's for you. Here's nice. what I'll tell you. 
nine, there are <laughs> listeners that are over the age of 40 that were really into action movies in the early 90s almost definitely saw a perfect weapon even if they don't almost definitely saw it even if they and when they and, and they'll remember Jeff Speakman and appreciate that film for what it was <laughs> I still can't not stop thinking about you going to the video store and then just being like, oh, we know what he's here for. (laughs) 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 Hiding it. (laughs) 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 Making you try to find it. In the porn, it's in the porn section. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Oh my god. Oh my god. I feel like tomorrow I I am definitely going to be renting a perfect weapon. Guys, just like all good leftover Sandler doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next two weeks. With, we'll see you in two weeks. We'll see you in two weeks with episode 394. See ya! Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations! I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, paint it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture. Leftover. And with the uncool kids, 